Blog Talk Radio. on the air. Hello? Hello, how are you? I'm very good, how are you? Good, how can I help you? I just wanted to call and say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this is John Edward calling. So humbled that you invited me on your show. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. You you're the best. All because right. that's you are All so right. right. You're right on the teeth. You have not said nothing that I don't know anything about. Your colors are fantastic. That's wonderful. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable. I felt good tuning in. Uh, I just got good energy when the reminder of the show came across my profile. And uh, the fellow hosting it has had really great guests and good energy. And, you know, it it, it feels really good. Uh, May everybody's heart's desires uh, be divinely blessed. Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to be on your show. I really enjoyed it.
Oh, thank you so much, Tori, for joining me. Oh, it was a pleasure. We could have done two hours, Michael, you know? <laughs> One more. Okay. Please, want to be me. It is you, dear. 727. Oh, my God. I didn't think I was talking to anybody. <laughs> you were talking to Michael. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. Yes, evidently we've had some BTR gremlins tonight, which is not unusual for, you know, during my show, of course. Uh, it's an early show this evening. It's going to be a long show, so get ready. Hang on, because it's going to be two wonderful guests. One guest, uh, you've seen her around everywhere, I'm sure, and you've heard her. I'm going to bring her on in just a moment. I'm not going to be taking any calls for the first hour. It's going to be all about her life and times and what she's been through. And you never know. When you listen about one person's spiritual journey, you can understand where yours may be heading towards and what you can expect as you progress forward. So help me welcome a very tired and worn out Tanya Douglas. Hello, dear. Hello, sweetie. How are you? Doing wonderful now that I have you on the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. You know, I've seen you all over the place, too, mister. You are just like, you're out there. I know, you have to be. Yes, you do. It's fun. But you know, it, it is, you know. I mean, I remember, uh, I think you just started get, uh, you just started get going um, not long after me. So, how long have you had your show for? Uh, June, uh, let's see. May will be two years. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So you just got started, like, not long after me. So, yeah. So we get, we're get we getting around together. Yeah, of course. So what have you been <laughs> up to? Oh, good Lord. I have been uh, back to college full-time. And uh, so that's been kind of the story of my life last semester, this semester. And uh, I've decided to pursue a career in psychology uh, because really working with people when you're doing readings, you know, you're you're kind of doing that anyways. So I'm like, well, why not go all out? Just go for the gusto, you know, um, because I really want to make that difference in a person's life, in, in many people's lives. And I just feel as though this is a calling for me and this is really where I'm supposed to be to help as many people as I possibly can. Other than that, I've been to Mexico. <laughs> oh, it sounds like fun. Oh, it was. It was a wonderful trip. I, uh, I, I, I've got such wonderful friends. Uh, I had a friend who uh, won a trip from her work. And as a matter of fact, she's going to be on my show tomorrow night. And uh, she took me to Cabo San Lucas. Mexico. It was all expenses paid. I mean, this is really just a, 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 oh, I can't even tell you. It's just such a miracle, such a once in a lifetime thing. And um, we stayed at a all inclusive resort and it was just beautiful. And I live in Michigan, so it's like cold and nasty and snowing and just nasty. And being in Mexico, the, the warmth and 
you know, and people are just, they're wonderful down there. Um, it, it was bittersweet to come back. I miss my family, but <laughs> I wanted to stay where the sun was. <laughs> I don't blame you. So, yep, I don't just got back. All. Yeah, I just got back, like, around midnight Saturday night. So, yeah, I'm playing catch-up with all my homework. And, I, you know, I am so glad you emailed me because my mind has been so scattered trying to get everything done. I'm like, and we've had this schedule for, gosh, I don't know, a couple months now, and I've been really yeah. looking forward to it. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad you sent me a message because I would have missed it and I would have felt horrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's been crazy. Uh, um, I'm actually this, you know, a lot of people – trying to get booked for shows, I'm booking out like all the way into May now. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's it's great. Well, you've got a great show going on. I, and again, thank you so much for inviting me on here. I love it. I'll have to have you come on my show. That sounds like fun. Oh, heck yeah. Hey, let me know when and we'll work it out. You know, we'll make the, We'll make the time and do it and have a good old time. Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, so tell everyone a little bit more about your past. Oh, my past. Well, I grew up in, in a somewhat small town, and, um, you know, it, growing up, you know, I didn't have too terrible of a life. Um, you know, I, I was the, the child that uh, got picked on by my peers, which, you know, whatever, I, I've let that go ages ago. Well, I got pregnant at, at the age of 17, um, and I ended up marrying, uh, after I was barely 18, it was only, uh, two months, not even two months, one full month. And like a couple days after I had my baby, I married the baby's daddy and he, uh, turned out to be uh, abusive. So I was in an abusive relationship for a couple of years and, um, uh, ironically, I actually ended up marrying my best friend because we, me and my friend, we were who I'm married to now. We were friends from the time I was 15 years old. And uh, he was there for me. And actually, he protected me one time when my ex decided to, to choke me. And uh, that was really a, a big mistake on his behalf to even do that in front of my now husband. Um so I I got out of every out of that relationship and uh me and my me and my husband we've been married now for going on 16 years. So and we have a wow. son together. So I, yeah, I have two children. Um so yeah, and then uh you know, I'll 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 let you I'll just ramble. So you go ahead and ask me the questions. <laughs> I, oh, that's I it's fine. hard switching back and forth. It's hard going from host to guest and the <laughs> I'm terrible about dominating. <laughs> That's okay. But it lets people know, you know, by you talking, you know, what they, they can be building. Yeah. They may be like, whoa, wait a minute, I've been there too. Yeah, and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about domestic violence because in my situation, and it sounds really, really um, silly, is I really didn't know that I was in a abusive situation. And what I mean by that was it started off when I was pregnant. He would just, you know, push me. He would push me on the bed. It just started out with the, the shoving. And after we got married, it progressed to he would, like, uh, he would 
started by punching, like, on my leg or my arm, uh, places where you couldn't see any marks. And he would leave softball-sized bruises on my legs. And from there, it progressed to choking. Um, and in one particular incident, we were, because um, at that time, we were living in my mom and dad's basement. And uh, it was they finished it off for us, so it was like like our own little uh, our own little pad. And we were putting up the Christmas tree, and for the life of me, I do not know what set him off. He claimed that he would just blank out. You know, I I'm not sure I buy that to this day, <laughs> but that was his story. Because that you know, a lot of times, people who are violent they don't own up to their own actions. So they, they come up with something. And, and a lot of times that is a good excuse. Um, but something he, I don't know, something set him off. And he he ended up grabbing me by the throat and I, he slammed my head up against the cement wall. And it was kind of like right then and there that I decided this is this is it, I've had enough. But I was kind of in a predicament where my mom and dad had suspected. Okay, so my dad always put my mom up to asking me what was going on. As a matter of fact, it's funny because my dad's the one that kind of had a suspicion I was pregnant to begin with and put my mom up to finding out. <laughs> so my dad, my mom and dad had suspicion there was some domestic violence going on. And uh, so he put her up to it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you know, that's not going on. And and uh, so my mom just said, you know, don't fight when until your dad's home. Well, you know, you don't really have control over these things. So I, I set up kind of a plan. I, I moved out. Uh, I got an apartment. I know it sounds kind of dangerous, but I set up a plan. I got an apartment. Uh, I moved in right above my best friend and her husband's apartment. And I actually moved like 50 miles away from my parents. And I we, we I was there about a week. Now my now husband he would always spend the night. And just to be clear, we were not sexually active at all. We were just very best friends. And uh, he I made sure that the night that I decided that I was going to end the marriage with my ex husband that he was going to be there. He had spent the night, and it worked out. It worked out very well. I have to say that. You know, it, it couldn't have went any better uh, because a lot of times people are so afraid of breaking up because they're afraid of retaliation from their their significant other. And uh, but I think he knew better <laughs> uh, to to do not do that after the situation that had happened only a short few months previous to that. And um, so he he didn't put up a fight. He just left. And, uh, you know, so so that was good that that happened that way. And, you know, so I'm, I'm very fortunate that I had somebody in my corner, a couple people in my corner, because not everybody has that. And a lot of times people, they live out of fear. And it's so easy for people to judge others. Well, if he's hitting you, just leave. Well, it's not that easy. It's not that easy because a lot of times the other person has a power over you, whether it is it, it's some sort of fear-based. Either you're in fear of your safety, 
in fear of losing your kids, in where you're going to go, in fear of how much money you have or won't have, it's always a fear base that not everybody understands. And not everybody always has the resources to to get to places that can help them. So it's easy to judge, but it's it's hard to be in the situation. So I just wanted to kind of point that out. I'm glad you did because, um, you know, I, domestic violence, so, so many people don't realize what it entails, and um, a lot of them are in abused relationships and don't realize it. They, yeah, they do because they just think, oh, he just, you know, he punched me in the arm or, um, you know, he just did this or he just shoved me. You know, there's no reason for any kind of physical, physical, uh, hmm, what's the word I want to use? Dominance over the other, and especially out of anger. I mean, you know, people roughhousing and playing—that's one thing. But even that can get too rough, and that can lead to to other things. And that actually did happen in my situation too. We were just kind of roughhousing around, and something triggered, and he got mad, and he had me pinned down to the bed by my throat. So, um, you know, it really, to be on the safe side, you know, just just watch how you play around. It can be too rough. So. Yeah, and there's also um, verbal abuse too, and emotional. It's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you know, and I try to tell everyone too that, uh, especially in the gay community, it happens there as well. Oh, absolutely. And, oh. And a lot of people don't realize it, and they're like, "Oh, well, I just thought it was normal." It's like, no, it's not. Abuse, no matter who it is, is abuse. It is. You know, I mean, if you think about it, abuse isn't just limited to heterosexual relationships. It is in heterosexual, homosexual. Um, it is in um, it's in spiritual relationships with your church. It can be in uh, you know family member. It can be anywhere. Any type of relationship that you have with another person, another human being, it can be domestic violence. Period. It doesn't have any boundaries. Yeah, and we have to just realize that, um, you know, we're better than that, and we, um, you know, always stand up for yourself and not take it. And and you know what? Sometimes, you know, I I agree with that. And even if it means being silent for the moment, doesn't mean that you're putting up with it. You need to formulate that plan and because you have to think about your safety, too. So formulate your plan and you know, try to get to those resources. It's so important. And don't waste time second-guessing yourself. Well, you know, I really love him. And, um, oh, this is another good point I want to make, too. Um, one of the reasons why I didn't turn him in was because I I loved him and I didn't want to see anything happen to him. I, I know it's ridiculous the way you think. And, uh, you know, I, there was only one time where I kind of fought back, physically fought back, and I ended up getting it that much worse. Um, but that was also another thing that you tell yourself, well, I don't want to fight back because I don't want to hurt him. Well, th- there's no logic to that link, to that thinking at all, you know. Um, but it's real. It happens, and, and it makes no sense, but it's it's definitely there. So just... Don't judge people because it's hard to be in that situation, and you know it's you know and sometimes it's even harder looking in because you just want to grab that person and go wake up, 
but yep. it's it can be difficult. It can be very difficult. Have you ever been into a domestic uh, or any kind of abuse relationship yourself? Oh, yes. My, uh, my first relationship, uh, we were together five years, and, you know, I figured out, well, it's just normal. I didn't know any better. And, um, you know, I was uh, beaten up and, abu- and abused, verbally also abused, and, uh, you know, I started realizing it wasn't right is when friends of mine, we were at, we'd be at their house playing card games and all, and he was five years older than me. And he'd be like, give me the ashtray. And it was like right in arm's reach for him. And friends of mine were like, get it yourself, you know, you can reach for it. He goes, he knows better. And he went one time, he went one time to swing at me because it was a lesbian couple we were with. And they were like, no, you know, let him get it. You're a guest here like he is. And so I sat down, and he went to raise his hand at me, and she popped him. <laughs> All right. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> this isn't right. And it took a while for me to realize, you know, and I, and I tried fighting back once, and it, it was even worse. And yeah, so one time I said, you know what? I did the same thing, like you said, you know, you make your plans. And I, I said, okay, I'll play the game. Saved up the money, you know, had help from my mom and dad who were down here in Florida, and I was up in Rhode Island. And they said, okay, make the arrangements. We'll meet you at the airport, the whole bit. So I finally persuaded him to get a job. And when he was at work one morning, it was his first day there at work, I had hurried up and I packed up clothes, went to the post office down the road, mailed it out to my parents' house, got myself a dog carrier from a friend of mine, grabbed my dog, went on a bus trip from Rhode Island to Boston so I can get a flight. And back then it was People's Express. It was $99 one way. And took the flight and made it uh, down to Florida. It took me like all total travel time was like 12 hours. And came down here to Florida and called him up. And he was drunk as usual. And he goes, where are you at? I said, I'm in Florida. He goes, you don't have the guts to leave me. I said, really? My mom got on the phone. She goes, he's here with me now. And we hung up on him. Go, mom. Good. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I made it back to Rhode Island uh, about a year later. And so I'm out in a bar. And he came over to me, and he was with somebody else. And um, he said, oh, I really love you, and I miss you. I said, you know what? I said, you need to chill out, honey. I said, because I'm over you. I don't love you anymore. I haven't in a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the bar was packed with people and a lot of old friends and all. And uh, I told the guy that he was with, I said, you know, you're a lot older than both of us together. I said, and you need to smarten up and not take the abuse. And he just looked at me and rolled his eyes. And. You know, right in front of the guy, he goes, oh, well, I want you back. I said, what about your new boyfriend? He goes, well, I don't care. <gasps> and I kept telling him, oh. leave me alone. He wouldn't. And I took a drink, and I asked the bartender, I said, give me a drink of water, you know. And he got me a glass of water, and they, they were like, don't do it. I said, do what? I was just thirsty. And I went ahead, and I took the drink, and I poured it over his head, and I said, I told you, you need to chill out. I don't love you anymore. Leave me alone. And I turned and walked out of the bar, and the bartender, uh, they had my phone number and called me up because they were friends of mine. They said, you can come back anytime you want to. They said, but we threw him out of the bar and barred him. Wow. Wow. See, now that had to feel so liberating to do that, you know. I mean, that's oh, yeah. so- something that people dream of doing. Yeah. Wow. I'm so proud of you because so many people don't get out of those relationships. And um, it, 
it it take and you know this it does take a lot of nerve to do that because you oh, are yeah, scared. Yeah, I had never flown mm-hmm. before, never been away from home or anything. And yeah. you know, here it is. I'm traveling by myself for the first time. Didn't know what the heck I was doing, and had like a two hour layover in Newark, New Jersey, and it seemed like nobody spoke English. I'm like, oh, my God, did I get on a wrong flight down here or what? Where am I, you know? And (laughs) and I was like, finally found someone who could talk English correctly and, and, you know, found out where I needed to go to. Made it down to, uh, you know, Florida at the airport, and my mom and dad were there, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't believe I made this. You know, petrified, scared to death the whole time. And, you know, but when I finally landed, you know, I just, you know, hugged a palm tree. Hugged my parents and said, I don't believe I did this. And still was scared to death. It's like, oh, my God, if he finds me, he's going to kill me. And they're like, you're down here now. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Did he know where your parents lived? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you still had that fear, like, "Uh uh-oh, what if he does come get me, you know? Yep. Wow. Well, you know, the sad part, the really sad part is oftentimes, even if you were to get a restraining order or a, a personal protection order, a lot of times those are so ineffective. I actually had a friend who had, uh, I, I took her to get a restraining order on her husband so she could leave him and get out of that situation because he was verbally abusive. And he was um, he was getting rough with the kids. I wouldn't quite say it was domestic violence, but it wasn't far from it. We'll we'll put it that way, at least what I saw. And so I took her, and we had it served that day while he was at work. And we were back at her house, hurried up and grabbing all her stuff. And she he pulled up. And so I called uh, the local police. And, you know, that police officer came over and allowed him to be there and uh, didn't do anything about it did not do one thing about it. He just said, well, you know, if there's any more uh, problems, just call me. It's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, by then she might be dead. You know, I mean, it's really ridiculous in in the way this it's treated. Not all the time, but a majority of the time, that's how, that's what happens with personal protection orders. So, oh, yeah. And, and it's terrible how they, the police just ignore it a lot of times. Absolutely, and you know, um, I I know this uh, this boy, uh, his, this this parents and this boy. The boy was molested by his grandfather. Now the mom and dad was divorced, and it was the dad's grandfather who molested the boy. And they, uh, the mom had found out because a police officer showed up at the door, uh, they were there from Child Protective Services. Well, it happened to be that the their son was with the dad that weekend. Now, the mom knew that the, the grandfather was a pedophile because he had done it to his own children. So, um, you know, end up going before the uh, prosecuting attorney, the prosecuting attorney said, uh, you know, basically it'd be the boy's word against the grandfather, so they threw it out. And the mom uh, wanted to protect her her son, and 
so she wanted to get a, a protection, order of protection, or do something through the friend of the court. Well, the friend of the court said, well, innocent until proven guilty. And they said, uh, and also I don't know if it was them that said it or the it was the courts that said it, but a personal protection order was only good if the boy was in her possession. Once the boy went to the dad's, um, there was nothing that they could do about it. And the dad is the one that allowed it to happen and stuck up for his own dad rather than his own son. So, I mean, that there's a big injustice there, too. So it's it's really terrible the way the system is set up in, in certain situations. So, yeah, we just have to, um, you know, take a stand and uh, do whatever we can to uh, make awareness that, you know, any type of domestic violence is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get any help with the police, keep trying. Keep trying, keep trying. And, you know, look for those agencies that can help you. And as scary as it is, you just got to do it because you don't know if that's going to be your last day because you don't ever know when they're going to finally snap. I don't know if you've noticed, but recently it just seems like there's so many uh, things in the news about these men killing their wives. And I'm not saying that this happens one way because it don't, but it just seems like lately there's so many missing wives and come find out it has something to do with their husbands uh, murdering them or, you know, them coming up missing. It's just horrible. I mean, it's just been really, really out of whack lately. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's been crazy, and uh, it's like you wonder, it's like, what's the world, you know, what's the world coming to? Yeah, kind of scary, for sure, for sure. I want to say hi to everybody in the chat room, <laughs> and those who's listening. So, yeah, that's, so that was a, um, a, a big part of my life, and, uh, of course, all these events helped shape me into the person I am now. Um, later in life. I decided that I wanted to learn hypnosis because I was reading Sylvia Brown and I loved how she used past life regression to help uh, with unexplained fears, phobias, past lives, things like that. And I thought it was absolutely amazing. And she wasn't the only one that I seen this. I had seen something on TV about it too. So I had wanted for so long to to take this, this class well, at that time it didn't exist. Well, you gotta love, you gotta love the law of attraction because it was only a matter of a month or two, and all of a sudden she started having the classes to teach hypnosis and, and more specialized in past life regression. I was so ecstatic. I was like, this is like a dream, right? Well, I couldn't go to the very first class. I was working for this guy, um, and he's. Not such a great guy. <laughs> um, and I I was self-employed, and I had asked him because I finally decided I'm going to take a loan out and I'm going to go take this class because this is kind of like a dream of mine. So I was all set up. I was going to go sign paperwork, and I asked him for two weeks off, uh, which was going to be like a month from then, and he uh, wouldn't well, – I didn't want to tell him what I was doing because he was – religious and you know he kind of like frowned on that stuff and so he's like finally he says well 
if you tell me what you're doing, then maybe I could, you, you know, handle you taking two weeks off. Now, granted, I worked for him for about two years already. I had never taken a vacation time, and I was self-employed, so technically he can't dictate my hours. But uh, finally I told him, and he says, well, I, I, I can only do one week, not two. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. And, and finally I'd had enough because really he just – he used me. He was a, he was a big user. I mean, I managed four of his businesses, his personal life and his brother's stuff, and I did I only made $9.10 an hour. And that's that was me doing all the accounting, everything. I was the only one there that did anything. So he used me, and I finally was sick of it. And I said, "Well, I said, uh, I'm closing your shop and I am leaving the key with the other store." So I walked out of there. I had no idea how in God's green earth I was going to pay this loan back that I was about to go sign papers on. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to have faith. I went and signed for a $4,000 loan. <laughs> and uh, it, it was ironic because two weeks to the day, I had received back child support that was owed to me for quite a long time, just out of the blue. I had no idea I was getting it. And it was just enough to pay off the entire loan and still give me, I don't know, it was a very small amount, like $100 or so. And it was just, I mean, I was like flabbergasted. I'm like, how God's green earth could this possibly happen? I know I'm meant to go. So I went, I became certified. I've been certified since 2007 now. Uh, I love what I do, which also goes hand in hand with the whole psychology thing. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, so that's been kind of steering me right along. Well, it sounds like you've definitely had a very interesting life. <laughs> it's not over yet, baby. <laughs> oh, hell no. It's only begun now. You got it. You got it. And you how long know, have you known about things... your? Oh, go ahead. I was uh, no, going to ask you how long have you known about how was going to uh, ask you how long have you known about your psychic abilities? Oh gosh, you know what? Ever since I was little, um, I had known that it was in the family. Uh, my mom had it, my grandma had it, and I guess my great grandmother, which I I never met her. I guess she she was really good, and it was uh, when I got into. Oh, I would say I was about 15, and I had a dream. Okay, this is kind of funny, because there was this guy <laughs> that I liked, and he actually came on to me, which is cool. Well, we were going out for a while, and I didn't know he had an ex-girlfriend. She terrified me, dude. Seriously, she was big, and she was going to thump me. She hated me just because her boyfriend had liked me. I was scared. <laughs> So uh, it was summer break, and I had this dream that I was going to run into them. And I was scared, right? I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm going to run into them. I'm, I'm going to see, I'm going to see so and so. And he's like, Yeah, right, you know. I said, No, I'm going to see him because I had the the. It was just an automatic knowing because the dream had a different feel. I can that's how I can tell the difference between dreams and like a prophetic dreams. They're very different. And also with visitations too, um there there has a way different feel to it. Um 
So my dad didn't believe me, and they always happen 24 to 48 hours after I have the dream. And it, <laughs> ran into him at the local 7-Eleven, and I was like, oh, I wanted to crawl underneath the car. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was that was uh, the very first time that I can actually remember very vividly uh, it happening. Um, and then and, – and for a long time, most of what came true was from my dreams. It started in my dreams. And um, my my grandmother was murdered when I was, oh, I want to say I was, I say I want to say I was 16, almost 17. And I knew she was murdered before anyone told me. Uh, that wasn't, I mean, there there was a dream, but it was more of a knowing. It was just really, really weird um, and then, you know, it just kind of, uh, it continued. And a lot of times I know when somebody or even animals, and I know don't laugh, but even animals come to me before they're going to pass. Yeah, before. It's really weird. I can't explain it. Um, <laughs> okay, here's where you're going to laugh at me. Everybody's going to laugh. Okay, so um, I had this guinea pig. Yes, I am a fan of small rodents. uh you know, and and pets of all kinds. And when I had moved out, I couldn't take her with me. So I left her with my mom and dad to, you know, for my dad to take care of her. And I come over to the, well, the the night before I had a dream that she, and this is the first time I've had a dream about an animal dying, but she had come to me and she was like talking to me telepathically somehow and letting me know that she was going to cross over and, um, so I, I went over to my parents' house the next day, and uh, my dad had kept her in the basement, keeping in mind the basement was finished, so it's not like she was in a cold, damp place. Um, my dad walked in from work. He said, well, I got some bad news to tell you, and I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I know. Uh, okay, laugh at me some more. Her name was Binky. <laughs> I said, I know Binky died. And he goes, how do you know? I said, well, she came to me last night. And... Since then, I mean, I've had a couple other pets come to me and let me know. Um, my mom died in 2008. She came to me uh, before she died, and uh, she, she I remember so clearly. And it wasn't even at night. It was just during a nap, believe it or not. And I, she came to me, and she says, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired of fighting. And I said, it's okay, Mom. You can go home now. And it was it was about 48 hours later, and she crossed over. So, um, you know, so that's always been there. And um, then, you know, it started to kind of get more so, uh, more prevalent after I took the hypnosis class, and uh, you know, I started doing meditations, and uh, I started working with the tarot, and uh, I started doing the fairs with the Maria Shaw group and it got to the point where it was just more automatic and and I think it would have been that way when I was younger if I could have just not if I could have weeded out all the garbage and and just went with it instead of questioning everything was that real or is that real I mean I still do um 
but it's weeding out all that white noise and trying to figure out what it is that you're getting. Um, so it's just kind of gotten stronger. And I, I still I still kind of amaze myself every now and then. Uh, one of the last readings, because I haven't been doing readings in a while because of schoolwork, um, one of my last readings, I had this lady come to me and she had told me how her father had passed away and that she was upset with him. And she says, she says, oh, so you know what, you know what I did? And instantly I had this vision of her pouring his ashes down a sewer. And I, she says, well, and she goes, I made him ride around with me in my vehicle for three months because he was cremated. And I said, oh, my God, I thought you were going to tell me you dumped his ashes down the sewer. She she turned, like, white. And she says, oh, my God, how do you know that? Nobody knew that. How did you know that? I said, i seen it, you know. So stuff like that is still, like, I'm like, oh, my God, that really happened, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it, the, more, the more you just go with your first initial gut feeling, your first initial vision, you know, that's usually right on. So it's it's learning to listen. Are you still with me, Michael? Did I lose yeah, you, Michael? No, 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 no. Oh. Hold on one second. Keep talking, Tanya. What's that? I said keep on talking, Dara. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm done. It's your turn. Oh, are we having problems with blog talk tonight? Can people, like, not hear and stuff? Okay, so he must be busy. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to sit here and talk all by myself because Michael's no, that's off okay. to I'm back. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of hard because all of a sudden, because the people used to be doing a 10 o'clock show, so we did an earlier one. Well, um, Tori Alex just called up because I'm having her back on at the end of March. Uh-huh. And she wants to confirm and let me know, you know, how long she's going to do the show for and, um, you know, the whole bit. Okay. She wanted to confirm everything. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then I'm like trying to listen in what you're saying. And all of a sudden I got you and I'm telling her to hold on. And, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were doing a show. I said, well, it's an early one. So but she's. But she calls me up uh, quite a bit and all, and we we just keep, keep chit-chatting, and she loves to talk when we get her on the phone. So there was one time she said, oh, you know, I said, you know, I knew she was busy, and when I first talked to her to set up uh, for the uh, her first show with me, and I figured, oh, well, you know, 15, 20 minutes being on the phone. No, we were on the phone for over two hours. <laughs> you got to love that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And it's like, and here she is on a call, on the call now and all. And I'm like, oh, she's, oh, my God, I'm sorry. It's like, no problem. You know, she uh-huh. she's like, look, she did a show later. I said, well, I do. I said, I'm doing an early one tonight. She goes, oh, you're busy. Yeah, and you're so sweet. You accommodated me. I love that. You're a doll. Well, oh, I try. <laughs> you know, I have my moments, of course, but, you know, I try. Oh, don't we all? Come on now. We all got that little devil sitting there going, wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> I know. I have a metaphysical shop, too. It's at a big flea market area. And, um, you know, I hear people walking by saying, oh, the devil works. And I said, yeah, I, said, I, I have my horns pushed in right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. you got to love those people. 
<laughs> yeah. Always interesting. Oh, yeah. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. So, um, you know, so one of the things, and I know we're coming down towards the end of the show, so, you know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about briefly, uh, if that's possible with me talking, um, <laughs> is when I took my class with hypnosis, it wasn't until then that I realized how powerful words are. They are so incredibly powerful that nobody nobody ever thinks about the words we choose, the words we use, and how they have a physiological response on our body. Because every thought, every word, every anything that, that we are thinking, we are creating a physiological response in our body. Oh, oh, Kate says, I'm wondering what Tanya did with her old boss. Did he ever call her back? Oh, no, because he's too good for that. Um, I guarantee he never found anybody as good as me. But, <laughs> but, but um, no, actually, his his son worked for him, and, you know, he made, like, $3 more an hour than I did just sewing stuff. Um he actually called me that night. He was he was an ex-cop, and he was just a young kid, too. He was early 20s, and he played good cop, bad cop with me. I don't know what his purpose was, um, but it didn't work. <laughs> I think he was trying to get me to go back to work there. So I told uh, I told his dad to call off his dog. So, um, <laughs> but that's what happened with that. So, you know, words, like I said... <laughs> I know I'm bouncing around. See, you guys need to come to my other two shows. This is this is just nothing compared to that. And you think I'm scattered now. Um <laughs> but but words have the ability to hurt and the ability to heal. They truly, truly do. I don't know if people have watched The Secret. I think a lot of people probably have. And there was one thing in particular that really struck me. And that was the woman who I believe she had cancer. And instead of going through all the therapies, and I'm not telling anybody not to, so that's my disclaimer, but she just went with happiness and laughter. She surrounded herself with positivity, and she healed herself. And people don't realize the the powerful effect that we can have. And it's demonstrated all the time, like when they do um, – they do double-blind studies with placebos and real medicine. They find that people heal themselves with the placebo because they simply believe that it's real medicine. So, you know, people really need to learn how to use words the correct way because when they say that thoughts are things, they really truly are. And what we what we say can also affect us like, for instance, um, let, let's just say that my family's irritating me and, and I say, I just can't stomach it anymore. Well, if I say that enough, guess what? I'm going to get a stomach ache. I could develop a stomach ulcer. So I'm creating a physiological response to those words. So it's it's so important to watch what we say. You know, I, I, one of the things I despise hearing coming from people Oh, that kills me. Oh, do you realize what you're saying? Uh, so words are so powerful. Um, here's another example. 
that I like to use, and I learned this the hard way. When people want to reduce their weight for healthy reasons, people most often will go in to say, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. Well, that sounds harmless enough, doesn't it, Michael? Yeah. Well, guess what? What do you do when you lose something? If you lose your car keys, what do you what do you do when you lose your car keys? You go crazy trying to find it. You go to find it. Exactly. So if I say I'm losing weight, my body is going to go into overtime trying to find where that weight went to and try to put it back on. So it's it's important that we realize how we word things. So that's my message. Just watch watch what you say. Watch the words you use to you and to everybody else because it's powerful. Yeah, and sometimes it takes us to learn the hard way uh, uh-huh. about, uh, you know, how powerful words can be. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Michael, you need to do some more talking because I've done it all. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Well, that's why everyone's tuning in to listen to what you have to say. You know, you're you're important. You've had so much going on in your life, and you know, you just by talking, you can impact a lot of people and help them to realize. You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm not the only one that's gone through this, and somebody else has made it. And look at her. You know, she's being a guest on Michael's show. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, keep a positive mental attitude because that really gets you through a lot of crap. <laughs> It really does. I mean, that's that's one thing, you know. Uh, if your car breaks down and, um, you know, you get a collection notice and uh, you find out, you know, that uh, you owe the IRS some money, you know, yeah, it sucks. But if you can keep a positive mental attitude and know that it's just for the moment and it will pass, that you're going to make it you're going to make it move faster, you're going to get through it easier, and you're going to keep your sanity doing it. So your your perspective on things are so important. And if you can find that positive twist, because you may not know what that positive twist is until years later, maybe even sometimes you won't even know. If you can keep that positive twist, you can make your life so much easier. You can avoid... Uh, depression and arguments and there's so much that you can avoid and and just because you know you had this happen that happened oh gosh how many times do you hear people say oh I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this today sucks why does yeah. today gotta suck why does the whole day gotta suck because you got out of bed on the wrong side isn't each moment something new you can do something what's what's the difference between the moment between now and the moment before you laid your head down to rest it's just a new moment. You can start over again. You can make it a better moment. You can make it a better day, you know. So people really need to start working on, on their perspective of things. So just Yeah, and, you know, that's why I try, well, that's why I try telling everyone, you know, it's, it's always hard to keep a positive attitude, but if you do, positive things are going to come into your life. Absolutely. And, and you know what? It's proof because, uh, and I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but you know they did that uh, experiment with the snowflakes and the, well, the water where they put positive words on, uh, I think it was like a glass of water or something to that effect, and, and I'm drawing a blank right now because I'm really only working on two hours of sleep today. But 
when it was crystallized, the snowflake was just absolutely beautiful when it had words like joy and love. But when it had anger and um, frustration, and you know, words like that, th- they were deformed. They were deformed. So it just goes to prove that everything is energy and everything has an impact on everything else. That You're like that drop of water into the pond. Everything ripples out. It never goes away. You may not see it, but it never goes away, and that just that energy just keeps going out away from you. So, so what are you doing now other than going to school? I'm just going to school. <laughs> well, I have I have my two radio shows. Um, hang on one second. I have I have a tickle here. Okay, sorry about that. Um, but I have my two radio shows. I have Morning Coffee with Tanya and Stacy. I was doing it five days a week, but because of my schedule for college, I can only do it two days a week, which is Monday and Wednesday. The other three days, Stacy is playing music, and I'm over on the Z Talk Radio Network. So you can just go to um, www.ztalkradio.com. And um, from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., Eastern time uh, is morning coffee, or which is said Monday or Wednesdays, I'm on. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, she's on at that time, but she's just doing music. And then I have my spiritual show. By the way, a warning to everyone, morning coffee, it's not spiritual. There's no fluff. We have rants. We are regular people because you know what? Guess what? Spiritual people, we have our beefs and our irritations and our, our rants and our funny moments. And, yes, we talk about sex, too. Oh my God! Imagine that. Oh, I gotta listen to uh, that one. Oh, you would just you would, you would love it. You would love it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know we have like I said, I have that, and then also I have past lives, present lessons. I've had that show going now for oh my goodness, I want to say going on three years. Hmm. I started off in Power Radio. And then I moved to Blog Talk, and then I moved from Blog Talk over to Z Talk, and that's on tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern on uh, ztalkradio.com. And I'm having the Gemstone Lady on. She's a friend of mine. She's actually the one I went to Mexico with, and she uh, does Gemstone readings. She makes custom jewelry intuitively for the person, which is absolutely amazing. She does the bracelets. She can make uh, necklaces, too. She's awesome at what she does. And uh, so she's going to be on tomorrow evening on my show. And each week I have somebody new. And I'm thinking here in the next couple of months, because i got a pretty full schedule just like yourself, I'm going to bring you on. That sounds like a plan. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to work that one out, definitely. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, yes, yes. So that's what I'm doing. My life consists of my family, my schoolwork, and my radio shows. I am boring. <laughs> no, you're not. You have a wonderful, interesting life, and you're constantly helping people whether you realize it or not. I do try to. I do try to. So, But you know what's important? People have to realize their boundaries, too, because that was a huge learning experience for me. Because if you don't learn your own boundaries, you're no good to help anybody else out because you just you get run over or you become exhausted. And, you know, that's important. And also you have to heal yourself before you can heal anybody else. So, yep. 
That's, yeah, yeah, I know you're watching the chat room. Is that how you do the Z-Talk Radio? I forgot. Uh, ZTalkRadio.com, yes, that would be correct. Okay. Yeah, I know you're watching Facebook. in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I have a really bad habit. I'm not very good with watching the chat room and talking. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. I can't help it. Oh, that's okay. I have the same thing when I'm a guest on a show. I can't do chat room and and all that too. It's like, uh, you know, I I get lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens. So, but you know what? I am on Facebook, and I have. Uh, so make sure if you friend me on Facebook here, I'll um. Let me give you the. I'll put the link in there for my Facebook. If you friend me, make sure you tell me where. Tell me where you see me because I haven't been adding people because I'm getting close to my. 5,000 limit, which is really ridiculous. I'm not really sure why they limited us, but um, I'm, yeah. I'm over so, that limit. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. So, oh, it's not letting me put anything in the chat room. What's the deal here? Okay, well, well it's let me not let pull you up. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and pull it? you up there. Hold on, let me grab it. Alrighty. And then, of course, if you guys search out the pub under public figures, I have past lives, present lessons, and that's my public page there too. So, ah, uh, well, thank you, William. <laughs> I see that. Thank you, William. <laughs> All righty. Well, oh my goodness, I can't believe you have you have. Mark Anthony on next. I love Mark. He is such a doll. I've had him on my show. He is a very genuine, sweet person, and he's very good at what he does. So make sure that you tell Mark that I send my love. Oh, I definitely will. Uh, he's yeah, Actually, I think he just heard you. He's in the queue. <laughs> uh, hi, Mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a, a full three-hour show because I tried one night doing a one-hour show and then you know ending that one and then going on to doing a two-hour show. And I lost everybody in the queue, and everyone got mad at me and all upset. I'm like, you know what? I'll just continue on with the show. It'll go from one hour with Tanya to two hours with Mark. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. And I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat room. You guys have been great. And I know you guys have been kind of typing, and I've kind of caught some of it. But if there was any questions that I might have missed, you know, feel free to hit me up on Facebook. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Well, thank you, dear, for joining me for the first hour, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on. You are a, you are just a doll. I just love you. And by the way, my oh, son's thanks. middle name is Michael, so I have an affinity Uh-oh. with that name. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk again real soon. Get All some rest. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good night, Michael. Bye. Good night, dear. That was Tanya Douglas, everyone. We're going to take a short break for just a real quick minute because i got a phenomenal guest again coming on. And I'm so excited. It's taken me literally since December to get him on here. So I tell you, it takes a while, and I get these wonderful people on here. So I'll be back in just a moment. Okay. Let's do this one. Why not?
Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, how are you? Good, how can I help you? I just wanted to call and say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this is John Edward calling. So humbled that you invited me on your show. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. You you're the best. All because right. that's you are All so right. right. You're right on the tee. You have not said nothing that I don't know anything about. Your colors are fantastic. That's wonderful. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable. I felt good tuning in. Uh, I just got good energy when the reminder of the show came across my profile. And uh, the fellow hosting it has had really great guests and good energy. And, you know, it uh, it feels really good. Uh, May everybody's heart's desires uh, be divinely blessed. Good. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for giving me a chance to be on your show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much, Tori, for joining me. Oh, it was a pleasure. We could have done two hours, Michael, you know? <laughs> One more. Okay. Please, want to be me. It is you, dear, 727. Oh, my God. I was just going to talk to anybody. <laughs> you were talking to Michael. Oh, my God. <laughs>
a successful attorney licensed to practice law in Florida. Hmm. Hopefully I won't need to have him as a lawyer. Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Mark is also a published author who has written several articles on both law and metaphysics. His upcoming book, Let Go of Sorrow, Hold On to Love, is a definitive guide to healing grief with help from the other side. Please help me welcome to the show psychic lawyer Mark Anthony. Hello, Mark. Hi, Michael. It's great to be on your show. And uh, I want to say, yes, I heard Tanya, and she's absolutely fantastic, and you're so fortunate to have had Tanya on. Oh, well, thank you, and uh, I'm glad to have you on also at the same time. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of exciting things happening um, all over the place, some some positive, some not so positive, uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm looking for- forward to taking calls from listeners as well. Cool. Well, we get that. Uh, let's get a little bit of information about you and let everyone know a little bit more about yourself. Um, you know, my name is Mark Anthony, and as, as Michael introduced me, I'm known as the psychic lawyer. And people ask me a lot, how can you be both a lawyer and an, and a medium? Well, I was born a medium. This is an ability that runs in my family for generations, and I decided to go to law school. So I've been practicing law, and I've recently taken a um, a government job where I'm the head of court operations uh, for the clerk's office for the county that I'm in, which means I've got about 250 people that report to me. And what's very interesting is that two weeks into the job, um, a film crew shows up in my office demanding to know why the taxpayers are paying for a psychic. And I tried to explain to them, or I did explain to them, that I was hired because of my uh, two decades of experience in managing law firms and the fact that I'm a member of the U.S. Supreme Court Bar and the Florida Bar and the Washington, D.C. Bar, and that my religious and spiritual beliefs have nothing to do with why I was hired. And what I find interesting, Michael, is that as an attorney, I am the first person to stand up to defend someone's First Amendment rights. And you, as a psychic, understand what we have to put up with, right? Oh, yes. Every day. Every every day. You know, people, um, oh, it's sorcery, it's against God, and and all that, you know, primitive superstition that, that makes people afraid of us. And then the uh, charismatic Catholics and the liberal Christians do understand that we we aren't a negative energy, and then then uh, other faiths uh, like Hinduism and Buddhism uh, just accept what we do for for real. And what I have found um, fascinating is that I have essentially been put on trial because of my First Amendment beliefs. I mean, people are taking pot shots at me in the media. And, I mean, I even have a judge um, make a a crack to me about, well, I heard they did away with the probate division because you can talk to the dead. And I got right in his face and I said, excuse me, John. I didn't call him your honor or your worship or anything like that. I said, if I were a Muslim, would you be insulting my spiritual beliefs? And he really didn't have a response for that. And I find it very, very interesting that a lot of the people that – demand religious freedom and religious rights are the very ones who are the first to cast the stone. So it's it's been quite an interesting uh, turn of events for me. So have you had any um a lot of positive feedback from that? 
Yes. Um, the metaphysical community has come out overwhelmingly in my favor, and uh, my publisher, Llewellyn, um, is is very excited about about this because it's gotten me so much um, uh, attention nationwide that they moved up the publication date of my book to October October 8th of this year. And uh, actually, they changed the title. Before, uh, the title that you gave, Let Go of Sorrow, Hold On to Love, was the title. They changed the title to Never Letting Go, uh, which which is part of my message. In other words, you have to let go of the sorrow associated with the death of a loved one, but never let go of the love for that person. And I also found that a lot of people in the legal community, a lot of a lot of the other judges are one of them, and he's he's really cool. He 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 asked to see me in in private, and he said it is preposterous that you should be attacked for your religious beliefs. And then he said, oh, and by the way, he goes, my wife does what you do too. <laughs> and I thought that was oh, cool. that was really really cool. And a lot of attorneys came out and they said, wow, we didn't know that about you and others that did. And I've been so booked for private readings. I mean, I think I'm booked up for like the next six months. So, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not complaining. So it, it has been fascinating um, uh, about all that. And, and as you know, um, Michael, and as Tanya knows, when you're a psychic and when you put yourself out there, we are going to be subjected to all sorts of criticism and all sorts of attacks. And that's part of what goes with it. And, you know, and, and nobody likes it, but... Um, on the other hand, that's all part of the journey, too, because nothing easy, nothing worth it, nothing spiritual is easy. If the spiritual path were easy, if the path to enlightenment were easy, everybody would do it. It's like I used to work out um, with a friend of mine who was a Marine, and this guy, you know, he was about as fit as could be. You know, I remember one day I go, man, I don't think I'd make a week in boot camp. And he looked at me and he goes, a week, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and uh, and but but his thing was, he goes, well, Mark, he goes, the fact is you're here and you're doing it. And if being fit were easy, everyone would be fit. It's the same type of thing. And and I'm not claiming that you know I have the keys to enlightenment and, and the, all the answers in the universe, but I'm on a path, on a spiritual path, like you are, like Tanya is, like so many of our colleagues are. And it's never easy. I mean, you never you never see in the lives of, of spiritual people. And once again, for, for the benefit of the listeners, I am not comparing myself uh, to St. Francis or to Jesus or to Gandhi. But all of them who are intensely spiritual people did not lead easy lives. So I think if people are just taking pot shots at me in the media, it's a lot better than being nailed to a cross or starving to death or murdered by an extremist. So I guess I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Uh, doing really great there, uh, keeping yourself uh, real busy and, and doing a lot for uh, the spiritual community. I, I, you know, I I do my best. It's really good to to reach out uh, to the spiritual community, and what I like seeing is uh, spiritualism is is a recognized religion. Now, I'm a Catholic, but I consider myself a Catholic spiritualist, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, Muslim. Um, you know, uh, interfaith uh, person. Now, my my mainstay is, or I don't want to say my mainstay, but the the religion and the religious philosophy that I'm most familiar with are the teachings of Jesus. But I believe that if all roads can lead to Rome, then all religions can lead to God. And it doesn't matter what you call God, just as so long as you call. 
So spiritualism, which is a religion that believes in life after death and on the reality of spirit communication, is a recognized religion in all over the world. Uh, it originated in the form that we know it in Great Britain about 150 years or so ago, and it spread to the United States. I mean, the Lincoln administration, Mary Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife, was an ardent spiritualist and even had mediums, or a, one medium in particular, visit the White House on a regular basis. So the spiritualism is now a recognized religion, and it is it is fascinating that we have, quote-unquote, come out of the you know, the spiritual or the, the psychic closet, if you will, so that we can express our beliefs without fear of retribution. Yeah, that's, uh, and I'm glad for that uh, in, in a number of ways because, uh, well, like you, I live here in Florida, and um, I'm up in the Tampa Bay area, and there's a lot of, um, uh, how do I put it, uh, Bible thumpers, as we call it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, Florida is an interesting state because, yes, it it is a southern state with a tremendous northern influence. And actually, Florida is kind of a microcosm for the rest of the country because so many people come to Florida from all over the place. Because the climate and, well, formerly the economic opportunities, which currently are, have seemed to dried up, um, a lot of people come to Florida for a lot of different reasons. And there is a, a very conservative, uh, fundamentalist-oriented group of people here. What I find is fascinating is, and, and as spiritualists, it's, it's easy for us to to kind of get frustrated or impatient at times with the fundamentalists who, who so often uh, put down what we do. But I also have quite a few fundamentalist Christian friends who are very open to what I'm doing, and they look at it as the gift of discernment, which is why on my website, which is healgriefwithbelief.com, when you, uh, on their section called Schedule a Reading, if you read that, I refer to readings as discernments, because that's what, what our gift is. It's the gift of discerning, of perceiving, and of recognizing and of feeling uh, spiritual messages. So when when you look at it in that context, it, it takes a lot of the fear element out for people who don't don't fully understand it. And because of my Christian beliefs, uh, because I too you know am Catholic, I'm a Christian. I don't discount the fundamentalists. I just ask them not to cast the first stone. Yeah, I tried doing the same thing out here, and um, it's real interesting because I'm trying to put together a church, and it's a metaphysical church, and a lot of people, you know, i got to, of course, go out there and try to help them to understand the differences. And um, Some people are real open-minded, and they're like, oh, okay, that's not too bad then. Yeah, I, I had an interesting situation one time. Um, you know, information is important, and... You know, you're like me. You you like the study of of how all this works. <clears throat> but I found that it isn't information that changes people; it's stories. Because I mean, I can sit here and talk about how quantum physics is related to mediumship, and it has to do with frequency and vibration. And I love learning that stuff. I think it's fascinating. 
And, you know, I've been to England where it studied as a science there and gone to a college, the Arthur Finley College, where they, they study that and they explain it in a very technical manner. But when it comes down to it, a parent who's lost a child or a person who's lost a, a family member or a spouse, they don't really care about frequency and Einstein's theories on, on uh, you know, uh, frequency and wave vibration. What they want to know is can they receive messages from the other side, and that's really, really the, the key and the focus. But I was invited to a grief support group at a at a local church, and it was it was really a very positive experience because a lot of people are you know they sit in a circle and you go around and you talk about the loved one who passed and one woman had recently lost her mother and I, by recently i mean within the last year it wasn't like a couple of weeks it had been like 8 or 9 months since her mom had passed and i kept seeing her mother near her and i kept receiving messages from her so on the way out i said excuse me um i would like to talk to you and she said you're that medium aren't you I said, yes. She goes, mediums are not of God. They are evil. I said, okay. And then she goes, but wait. <laughs> you know, walking away. She goes, but wait. What, 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 what's the message? And I said, well, your mother came through, and I could see her tightening up and getting very nervous, and I delivered the message. And this woman, she scratched her head, and she thought, and she goes, my God, that is exactly the type of thing my mother would say to me. And then she looks at me, and she goes, you're evil. But thank you for the beautiful message from my mother. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, wow, are we conflicted or what? And I didn't argue with her. I just said, you know, and I just smiled and just kind of walked away because she was so caught up in her fear and in the fear aspects of of communication with the other side. But she so desperately, she never wanted to let go of the love that she had for her mother. So you know you you get a lot of lot of that i mean people come to me and they they're looking around the room during a reading expecting you know um books to start flying around and you know and all this this hollywood sort of thing to go on and i explain to them that it isn't going to be like that at all and it's going to be you know a pretty clear you know uh, communication as best as i can can convey it so uh we you know we do get a lot of we do get a lot of that yeah, I know I have a metaphysical shop at a uh, one of the huge flea markets up here, and I figured it's a way to get out and um, meet people. And for some reason, I've been there since October, but I've just noticed it recently. People walk by, and it's like, don't walk into there. The devil works in there. Yeah. And, uh, it... <laughs> and it's like I, I, I went up towards one woman, and, you know, I was walking, you know, because we have the different booths and it's an indoor flea market and I was right across the hall talking to someone and, and I heard that. I said, no ma'am I said, the devil doesn't work in there anymore I said, I threw him out. I'm in charge. I said, you thought the devil was bad? And she looked at me and she said, huh? And I said, yeah. no ma'am. I said, I'm a, I'm a Christian just like you are. She said, you are? I said, yes and I'm also an ordained minister. She said, and that's your shop? I said, yes ma'am. And she said, oh I thought it was evil. I said, no it's not. And she said, so we talked for like an hour it, you know, it's funny, Michael, is when you do talk to somebody that, that's that's very fundamental or fundamentalist, you'll find that once they get past the fear, I, I've had a number of fundamentalists tell me, so we're really talking about the same thing, aren't we? I go, we are absolutely talking about the same thing. 
And um, recently I had another attorney, a prosecutor actually, who's a fundamentalist Christian, and I was coming out of my office at the courthouse, and she comes running up to me and goes, well, well, Mark Anthony, you certainly caused a lot of commotion in the media recently. And I said, well, I didn't ask the TV cameras to show up at my office unannounced. And she said, well, and she started asking me all these questions, and finally, um, you know, I was telling her that I have a universalist approach and that, you know, God, it doesn't matter what you call God, just so long as you call. <clears throat> and she said, well, I believe in the Bible. And I said, well, which version? And she looked at me with this this questioning look on her face and, oh, you must be Catholic. Well, I believe in the one true version, the King James Version of the Bible. I said, well, that's good, but to my knowledge, there's 23 different versions of the Christian Bible. She goes, huh? I go, well, there's the... King James Version, there's the Roman Catholic Version, there's the Greek Orthodox, the Byzantine Catholic, the Russian Orthodox, the Ukrainian Orthodox, the Antiochian uh, Orthodox, the Egyptian Christian Coptic, the Ethiopian Christian Coptic, and then there's the Thomas Christian Version in, in India. And she goes, huh? And I said, and all of those believers believe that their version of the Bible is just as true as the King James Version. And she's standing there, and her jaw dropped, and she said, but, but, and I said, but what? I said, you know, the Word of God comes to people in many forms. And I am not discounting the King James Version, but I'm not discounting the Thomas Christian Indian Version of the Bible either. Nor do I discount the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita, or the sacred Buddhist texts. And she said, well, i got to go. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it's it it does it does get interesting because when you do this type of work you start to see that you know God is so far beyond our ability to comprehend God and I was having a discussion yesterday with a Wiccan friend of mine who refers to father god mother god and I have no problem with that because you know the judeo christian muslim uh concept is that God is male that's why he, 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 he. And the Wiccans have a mother god, father god. The Hindus have many different manifestations of God. Many are female, uh, many are male. The Buddhists are like, well, maybe God exists, maybe God doesn't. It doesn't matter as long as you are living your life the right way. So, <clears throat> I. But but my understanding is that God is so far beyond our ability to comprehend God because we're in a material form. And we have a tendency to anthropomorphize God, to put a recognizable face on God. And I had a friend one time, and, and um, this is some years ago, he said, well, we know what Jesus looked like, his picture's in the Bible. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. And he whips open the Bible, see, he's right here. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, so you notice how Jesus has blonde hair and blue eyes in this Bible? That's because this Bible <laughs> comes from the United States. And if you look at paintings of Jesus in Greece, he looks very Greek. And pictures and paintings of him in Holland, he looks very Dutch and so on and so forth. And this guy argued with me that, no, no, this is the picture of Jesus. And that's what he looked like. And I said, well, it's not like CNN was there during the the, the crucifixion. And it's really amazing how how blind faith is simply that it is completely blind, and and I don't once again I don't fault people 
for the religious beliefs, because who am I to tell somebody that their path to God isn't the right one? But what I stress in, in my teaching and in my book, Never Letting Go, is that God is available for everybody, and nobody has a monopoly on God. I like that. And I and my um I'm sure you've probably checked it out. Uh, I've got a website where I'm putting together a, a metaphysical church, like I said. And it's called yeah. be like dot com. And on there I put is we are all one in God's eyes. Absolutely. And by the way, I love that name, Be the Light Chapel. And and that is Michael, that just nails it. Because what did it, you know, what did Jesus say? He was. He was the light. What did Buddha say you had to see? What did Krishna say you had to experience? What did Muhammad say you have to follow? The light. And I always find it, it, it very fascinating that no matter what religion, as long as it's you know a positive religion, and when I say positive, I'm talking you know, there are these very primitive religions that believed in human sacrifice and things like that. You know, the, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm discounting those, but I'm talking about the 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 religions of of uh, the Judeo-Christian, Muslim, the Abrahamic religions, the Hindu and the Buddhist and the Taoist and the Shinto religions. They all and the Native American religions. They all focus on the light. And in the work that I've done, and in the people that I've studied with. I believe that when we meditate, and, and you have seen the light, correct, in, in your meditations? Oh, yes. Yes. The light, when you meditate and you see the white light, and it can have some gold in it, and um, it can be a whole spectrum of colors and, and, and so on and so forth, is our ability or how we perceive the spiritual energy of God. And so when people cross over and they go into the light, that's what they're doing. They're going. They are, are unionized, or you know, becoming one with the spiritual energy of God, and it's and it's an absolutely truly beautiful thing. And so I love the fact that you call your chapel, um, you know, be the light, be the light chapel, because that is the ultimate objective. Um, and, and those of us that are here on earth, you know, we do have to go through hell before we get to heaven. That that is that is for sure in in, in the way I look at things. Yeah, and it's um, interesting. I had a friend of mine who actually gave me that name for the church. They had asked me about starting a church, and it was like, you know, I thought about it, and I said, well, I got to come up with the right name. She said, I have the perfect one. How about just calling it Be the Light? Well, you were searching for a name, correct? Yes. And you had asked, I need a name, and so the name was came to you, and, and that friend was the conduit for it. And it's, it's amazing, you know. Um, we, we ask for many things from God, and oftentimes our prayers are answered. Or perhaps our prayers are always answered, but sometimes the answer to that prayer is no. There's a lot of people that are praying for all kinds of things. You know, I want a new car. <laughs> you know, I want money. I want to be healed from this debilitating disease. And perhaps for whatever reason that, that I don't completely understand, that person has to go through that experience while here in the material plane. A lot of times it doesn't seem fair. When in, in my work with, with uh, as an attorney, I help people deal with their legal problems and with life-changing events. 
And as an attorney, I've dealt with thousands and thousands of people whose lives have been shattered by horrific events like the death of a loved one. And it's very difficult when you're sitting there trying to counsel some parents whose child was run over and killed by a drunk driver. And then as a medium, I try to help them cope with that from a spiritual perspective. And it's very difficult to make sense out of that. And they're like, why did I go through this? Why, Why did this happen to me? And and I mean this when I say this, and I don't normally say this to people, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, but why not you? And I believe that when a horrific thing happens, no matter what it is, all it happens for a reason, because it's the proverbial pebble dropping into a pond with the concentric circles. So there's the death of a child, the absolutely most insidious and horrific loss anyone can ever endure. And I don't wish it on anybody to lose a child. It's just, just, oh, God, it's heart-wrenching beyond belief. But the repercussions of that affect so many people in so many ways, and we are all interconnected. And so how we deal with it, how we react to it, how we grow from it, how we learn from this is all part of our life experience. So life experiences, sometimes they can be very positive, but on the other times they can be seemingly very, very negative. And it is all what we have to endure here in the material world. And then once we cross into the light, it is my belief that there is an understanding and a resolution of all of those things that have happened here. Um. Speaking of uh, talking to spirits on the other side, um, you know, I'm sure you do this quite a bit. Do they look different than we do? When I when I see them, they look like like people, and they have a tendency. Uh, when I first communicate with them, in other words, if I'm doing a reading for somebody, um, they look like they did prior to when they passed, so that they're able to be identified. And they have a bit of a transparent look to them. I, I don't know if that, that's your experience, but most of the mediums I know, they have a bit of a, a transparent look uh, to them. And I think it's because, you know, their energy and, and they're projecting, you know, they're, they're showing us uh, the form that they were in when they were here. So, so they do look um, very much like us or like us. But I've also had something very interesting happen. In a lot of uh, uh, readings, Spirit will come through, and let's say they're 85 or 86 or 90 when they died, and so the the spirit initially looks old, and then the more you communicate, the spirit will morph into a younger version of him or herself, and they show you when they were healthiest, happiest, best. Um, one one interesting reading I was doing was for an elderly gentleman and his brother who had cerebral palsy, and this this um, young man struggled his whole life, uh, couldn't couldn't walk. And he came through, and I was describing, oh, there's a, a, a man here, and he's got crutches, and I described him. He goes, that was my brother. And then all of a sudden, uh, the spirit stood up and dropped the crutches and started kind of dancing around. And I was explaining this to him. He goes, my God, what does that mean? I go, well, uh, he's letting you know that on the other side, he is free of the physical disabilities that plagued him in his life. And I said, quite frankly, he's dancing in the light. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny about it. And it was really quite a wonderful thing because I could see how much peace it brought to the man that that was receiving the reading, to know that his brother, who struggled his whole life, 
uh, was no longer tormented with with that particular disability or any disability for that matter. Yeah, when uh, when I see spirits, I, I explain it. It's like looking at um, for those who are old enough to remember uh, a negative of a picture. Interesting. Is how I see spirits uh, because they're transparent and. You know, I can see them moving around, and that's the best way that I can describe it. You know, I tell them, I say, you know, if you ever looked at a negative of a picture, and they're like, yeah, you can see through it. I said, yeah, that's how I'm able to see spirits. Yeah, yeah, they they do. They have that transparent type look to them. Um, now, have you seen? Um, I, I know I, I probably already know the answer. You've seen angels, correct? Yes. All right. How do you describe? I know you're supposed to be asking me the questions, but I'm curious. Um, when you see a, when you see angels, how do angels appear? Uh, it varies. Most of a uh, couple of times that I've actually seen them, they were solid and bright white. Is how I yes it. yes. And um, you know they were not transparent. It was just like you know looking at. Uh, you know, at the sun, but it wasn't hurting my eyes. I could see around them, but couldn't see through. Yes. Um, I, I Yes. Uh, I, I, that's why I like to ask other mediums, how do you perceive it? Because I, I've, I've gotten angels like that, and also when they appear more in human-type form. Yeah, you remember the the, the movies The Lord of the Rings? Um, you know how the, the elves... You know, the elves were basically earthbound angels. I mean, if you get into the whole, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien symbolism and all that. But uh, I like the way Peter Jackson made it. At night, the elves kind of glowed, and it was sort of like this, like, mega aura. And I've noticed they they do have a a tendency to have this, like, ultra-high-frequency aura. And I've also seen them where they are just, like, pure, pure white light. And, you know, angels are different than human beings. And they they coexist very harmoniously with human spirits on the other side. And so what I found, especially when I was in England, um, you know, you always hear about like fairies and pixies and you know all that sort of thing. And and I was really skeptical about that. And then I started realizing when I was working with with very advanced mediums that there are quite a few and probably more than we can even imagine intelligent species, if you will, in the spirit realm. And I find that fascinating. Um, I don't necessarily focus on communicating with these entities because the work that I do with with helping folks grieve is more in communicating with with their loved ones as opposed to non-human intelligent species. Now, if you get into discussions with some people in, in various religions, they say, well, that's heresy and that's ridiculous. But in my religion, as a Catholic, we have angels, we have saints. I mean, we have all sorts of of um, uh, spiritual beings in you know in heaven, in, in on the other side. So uh, you know, to me, it's never been an alien concept. Uh, and then again, you know, I mean, I grew up in a family where both my parents were were mediums. So it's not like I I I didn't have that unfortunate childhood where oh my God he sees things he's nuts it'd be like oh cool <laughs> you know we'd be sitting there eating cereal in the morning talking about you know what spirits we'd seen and um, we didn't you know it wasn't perceived as odd or unusual at least in my family yeah I'd, um, I was lucky too when I grew up that way where um, not necessarily I think I was the only one in the family who had the abilities but. 
uh, you know, my mom was real open to it and accepting. Uh, although going to Catholic school, that was a little different. You know, isn't it interesting, uh, Michael, that so many mediums have a tendency to be Catholic? I mean, not all of them. I mean, there, there, there's mediums from, from all faiths and all backgrounds. But there's a lot of us seem to be Catholic. And uh, I, I believe that that's because of our predisposition for mystical experiences and accepting that there are saints, angels, you know. And, and there's there are all kinds of angels, according to the Catholic religion, like, I don't know, five or seven different seraphim, cherubim, archangels. Uh, there's angels, and there's a couple other that I can't think of right at the moment. Um, and, and, and there's all these different hierarchies and, and things. And who's to say that that, that isn't absolutely correct? I mean, I, I believe that it is, and I, I believe that there is so much more than we are capable of perceiving, even those of us who have worked and and worked to expand and define and develop our sixth sense. Sorry about that. I got distracted there for a second. Yeah, it's, uh, no, no you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed, um, you know, opening up and, um, you know, learning since I was a kid. And, and I've met so many wonderful people from so many different religious backgrounds. Yeah, it's you know it's really I, I see I love interfaith dialogue. What what I don't like is when it gets into my religion is better than yours. And if you don't believe me, we'll start a war. But when you can sit down with <laughs> with people, yeah, that's worked real well over the centuries. Um, but when you can sit down with people from other faiths and have an open dialogue, oh, I love that. I love that. Um, but I had a client in my office last year when I was still in private practice. He came in, he was from, um, where is he from? It was from Saudi Arabia or someplace like that. And, we, I don't know, we, we somehow or other got on the topic of religion. He looked at me and said, well, the Quran is the one true, you know, word. And he started all of that. And I said, can we not do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, let, let, let's stick to the case at hand. And, and, and it's like, listening to him was like listening to the most um, intense, narrow-minded um, Christian fundamentalist. And it's interesting because if you took out uh, Muhammad and stuck in Jehovah, it's like you're basically a fanatic is a fanatic. And it's it's really sad when people use a belief in God to justify anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence. I was watching a program on A&E over the weekend about the Ku Klux Klan, which is a truly evil organization, in in my opinion, and they said we are white Christians, and it's and I'm looking at them and what they're doing and what they're saying, and justifying lynchings of, of people of African American descent. And I'm like, how can this be Christian? This isn't the Christ I I know. I mean, Christ didn't say kill and persecute those who are different because they're inferior, and but but. What it is is they're not practicing Christianity. What they're doing is they're garnering a moral justification for their own political and ego-driven agendas. And so for for people that, that get sucked into cults and things like that, and, and that's a cult, um, you have to be very careful when somebody starts saying, we are better than that group because God said so. And that's that's not the work of God. That's the work of the human ego. Um, I uh, I visited uh, this ashram um, some months ago, 
because I'm, I'm always interested in Hinduism. I've always had a fascination with Hindus. And so I get to this ashram, and I find out that there's nobody from India there. And there's nobody that's really a Hindu there, but they all have these phony Hindu names, and they were worshipping this woman who was portraying herself or, or holding herself out as God's incarnation on earth. And people are crawling on their stomachs, like groveling un, in the dirt, literally, so she can pat them on a head like a dog. And I'm looking at all this, and somebody goes, in a, and, and they go, oh, it's a privilege to be able to approach her. And I said, to crawl on your stomach as if you are an animal, to be patted on the head is a privilege? Oh, well, you don't understand. And I'm thinking, oh, but I do. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and somebody goes, she is God's incarnation on earth. I said, no, she isn't. And they're like, well, who are you? And I said, you know, I, and I was explaining, you know, that I was here to, to, to learn. And then I saw how they changed their tactics. And they said, oh, well, psychics are not permitted here. You don't need your psychic ability. It is merely an illusion tied into your own ego. You should stay with us for a while. And I'm thinking, right, and you're going to offer me some Kool-Aid right about now, right? <laughs> and, um, and it was funny because when I got home, I looked it up on the Internet, and it's like, sure enough, it was on all these cult watch sites. And, I mean, it's it's a mess. And, and I'm not going to mention any names or anything and or where it's at. Um, but you have to be very, very careful uh, for those of you who are on the spiritual path and are looking for that. And what I found there was a lot of people who were very, very wounded emotionally or felt disenfranchised by the religions because maybe their lifestyle didn't didn't jive with a particular religion they were raised in. And that is the perfect, um, they're the perfect initiates, the perfect victims for a cult leader who holds him or herself out as salvation. And uh, it, was, it was really quite scary. It was also a fascinating experience, but, I, you know, I went in there. You know how, like, you know, a psychics would get that, like, you know, how Spider-Man talks about his spider sense. You get that tingly sensation, like, danger, danger, Will Robinson. And I walked in yep. there expecting this really great Hindu experience. And I'm looking around. The place was beautiful, flowers everywhere. It was, a you know, a lake. I mean, it was an entire community that was all separated off, and you have to be led into the compound. And when I started seeing that stuff, I'm like, this is kind of freaking me out. And it was, and then it turned into, it was exactly what I thought it was. It was a cult, and God was not being worshipped there. Um, human ego was being worshipped there, and there's a huge difference. Yeah. I get, uh, you know, of course, you know, I'm sure you do also, is when you get someone that comes in, and they want you to tell them what to do every second of their day or what decisions to make. And I tell them, I said, you know, as a psychic and as a minister, I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's your choices. And I said, and if you listen to someone and uh, a group of people or whatever, and one person tries telling you exactly what to do and how to live your life, I said, you need to run. That's the biggest yeah. chances are it's it's uh, you know they're a cult, and if they're if you're not able to make your own decisions and decide whether you want to stay with them or not, and if they tell you what you have to do. I said, then, you know, they're violating your free will. I said, I will not tell anyone what to do. I can guide you and help you. But your choices are your choices. Free will is one of the greatest gifts 
God has bestowed upon us. And you know, I believe that there's a day we're going to be born and a day we're going to be die, to, to to die. And the choices that we have are what to do with the time in between. And you're exactly right, Michael. When when you get somebody that that is some quasi-religious figure and telling you you will do this, you will do that. And with this particular cult, um, in my research of them after I'd visited there, I found out that the lady um, that was running the cult actually would say that, okay, you can have sex now for the purpose of having a baby, and then if somebody had a baby, she would take the child away from them and then assign it to who she felt should be raising this. In other words, she was taking people's children away from them. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And and I know the police had been in there several times, and and, uh, people will defend this woman uh, with their lives. And I'm looking at this going, my God, this is absolutely horrific. I mean, I I, didn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, and and they, they they kept wanting me to come back, and I was like, yeah, I'll be back next week at your next, you know, whatever. And as soon as I, I remember when my car, when I got out that compound, it was like warp speed. I mean, I wanted to get, and <laughs> never, never would I go back back to a place like that. And I'm looking at all the people that were there, and there were so many people, and they're all going around saying, I'm so happy, yes. We are happy, and I'm like, you're not happy. You're a bunch of zombies. It was, it was yeah. weird. Yeah, it's real scary, and that uh, you know what happens, and uh, you know, and the way I explain to a lot of people too about religions and the different religions in the world, I said, you know, we have so many different cultures, and God came down and spoke to us in a way that each culture would understand. I said, and because of that, we have different religions. And people would think back, and they'd be like, and that's what they'd be. They'd be like, that makes sense. Like, well, that's, I mean, that's why you can, you get the same understanding of all the basics. When you go down to the basics of any religion, they're all saying the same thing. Yes. I said, but it's all based on the way that the culture is at that time. And that's, you know, even Billy Graham, uh, whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for, he said you cannot take the Bible literally. It has to be viewed in the context of the time that it was written. Because when I have people get in my face, like like that uh, prosecutor that was a, um, a fundamentalist, say, well, I believe in the Bible. It's like, yeah, but the Bible justifies slavery and genocide and and I mean, you can go into the Old Testament and find a justification for just about every form of inhumanity inflicted upon people. So you know, you've got to be got to be very careful. And you know, it's it's you know, maybe I'm being disrespectful here, but I remember watching. I, I like The Simpsons. I used to watch The Simpsons a lot, and I remember one of their Halloween shows. Now they always do, and they had one where it was the Salem witch trials, and they accused Marge Simpson of witchcraft. And they said, well, we have to throw her off a cliff. And Lisa runs up and goes, but the Bible says we must forgive. And, and Chief Wiggums is dressed up like a pilgrim. He goes, yeah, well, the Bible says a lot of things. you know." And they throw her off the cliff. And all of a sudden she comes flying up on a broom. <laughs> she goes, ah, you were right. you know. So it was really very funny. But it, it's, it was also very poignant in that you know the Bible, unfortunately, has been used to justify some absolutely terrible things. I mean, it was used to justify slavery. And and that has got to be one of the darkest, 
moments in in what I consider modern history would be like from the year 1500 onwards or or even 1700s onwards is that you know slave trading the trafficking in human beings my god I mean I really can't think of anything too much worse than that um and that was ordained by the bible they would call it white man's burden and all this and oh well they're not really human beings and and you know the nazis were saying that about when they were rounding up jewish people saying well they're not really human beings it's like you've got to be kidding me so you know we we've got to be very careful whenever you see someone using a faith a religion to justify bigotry anger hatred or violence that's not god that's the human ego yeah, and unfortunately, the human ego is uh, in control uh, a lot of times, and it's up to those in, uh, who are on a true spiritual path to see the difference. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it reminds me of two things Gandhi said, and, and Gandhi's one of my favorite people to quote. Um, he went up to a group of British generals one time, and he said, I like your Christ, but I don't like you Christians very much. You don't act like your Christ. And I think that was very poignant. Another time, um, uh, there was uh, some uh, some Muslims that were very upset with him, and he said, "We are all the children of God. Do you raise your hand against your brothers and sisters simply because they believe, they call God by a different name?" And I think people like Gandhi. I mean, Gandhi most definitely got it. Um, another time, there was a group of Hindus that were getting ready to take some action against the Muslims, and he said, I am a Muslim, and a Christian, and a Jew, and a Hindu. He goes, for God's sakes, just stop it. You are creating fear in the hearts of your brothers. So, you know, we, we, we have to, in, in my opinion, if you're on the spiritual path, accept the validity, and you must respect the nature of other religions. Hold hold to yourself your beliefs, but do not persecute other people because of them. And hopefully one day we'll be um, enlightened enough where we won't um, have those issues anymore. I'm hoping so. <laughs> I'm hoping so. On the other well, hand, it certainly makes for good radio. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, yeah it definitely absolutely. does. We'll take a few uh, few um, callers and we'll talk some more and find out a lot more about you and uh, and your beliefs and about being a lawyer and a psychic. Okay. Area code two two four. You're on the air. Okay. Area code eight one four. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hi, this is Amy. How can we help you, Amy? Um, I have a question for Mark. Um, is there anybody in spirit coming through um, that I wanted to ask? There's a gentleman that I had met at work, and I just wanted to know what his purpose was that he had come into my life because I haven't. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, um, you want to focus on a spirit first. So let's get the spirit okay. before we start asking about your love life, <laughs> okay? Okay. Um, and, and, I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like, you know, you got to realize this isn't instant messaging, okay? Um, we've got to see who's around you. 
Um, this is interesting. Now, this spirit may not be associated with you, but she's been around me um, before I started uh, the show, started meditating. It's it's a young woman, um, young woman who was uh, um, passed traumatically. Does that make any sense to you? Yes. Okay. It was sudden. It was unexpected. It felt like an accident. Um, and I keep seeing her as, especially when she was younger, her hair was like parted in the middle and either like in braids or pigtails on either side. Does that make sense to you? No, not that. Okay, that that's fine. But did she have lighter colored hair? When she passed, yes. Okay, okay. All right, because... When I was meditating before the show, the spirit came through, and they have a tendency to to show up before because they know that they're, we're going to be talking. Um, I, I'm getting that it, it's almost like a family connection, but it may not quite be a family connection. Does that make sense? It was a friend, and her anniversary okay. of her death is next is coming up this within a week. Okay. Okay. Um, Hold on. You guys, um, all right, she's getting prior to her passing. A lot of giggling, a lot of laughing, um, and I keep seeing a bunch of stuffed toys. Does that make any sense to you? Not the stuffed toys, but she was like a a real, you know, happy yeah, happy, um, and for some reason, uh, like oranges or orange juice, I'm tasting that. So um, I'm just putting that out there because I want to, does that make sense? Um, probably what she was drinking. She she was in a nap. She was drinking. Okay, okay. All right, that, that, that makes sense then. All right, so let's see. Um, ah, interesting. She is showing me her left hand with a ring on it, like a ring on the ring finger. Um, Interesting. Diamond ring, looks like. Now, the big question is, why is she showing me that, and is that in response to your question? Um, She's saying that she could never tell you what to do, although she was always good for advice, and it seems like she would have always asking your advice. What's interesting, the dynamic in the relationship between the two of you is it would sort of like you would pass the baton to each other. Like there were times when you were the one with all the answers. There were times when she was the one with all the answers. And so there's this back and forth type of thing. Um, it's sort of a tug of war, but in a positive sense. I, I really like the connection um, uh, between between the two of you in 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 the duration of your relationship. Um, she says that you are. I'm seeing you surrounded by papers and paperwork. In other words, there's a lot of uh, decisions, a lot of busy work, a lot of multitasking going on with you. And she says that you often feel frustrated and beset, um, b e s e t, beset with with decisions that you don't always feel prepared to make. Uh, She says you're very cautious about how you approach a situation, and you're always very concerned about doing the right thing, and you overanalyze it to the point where you get very, very tense. 
but ultimately you seem to do the right thing. And so what she's saying is you really need to stop second-guessing yourself and kind of go with the flow more and trust yourself more, okay? So I guess this is now leading into your question about this gentleman. Go ahead with your question. Okay. Um, what is his purpose? I wasn't looking for this guy to come into my life, and it's very strange. It seems like our paths have crossed over the years, but we've never, like we've known mutual people when we've been at the same places, but never. Well, this is interesting how she's responding. I'm seeing railroad tracks. And it's not just railroad tracks. It's like, you know, when, when there's like a train station and there's all sorts of trains and they're all switching tracks and switching. In other words, it this this meeting has been long overdue. Um, there's been a lot of parallel existence between you and, and this gentleman. Um, and now it's time. In other words, you're both at the station, at the train station at the same time. So this looks like a good thing. And that gets back to she's showing the ring. Now, now, because she's showing the ring, this does not mean expect this guy to propose to you or this to turn into a, a love uh, relationship. But I'm getting the distinct impression that there is a possibility for future growth in this. Uh, she's saying don't push it. Uh, don't, in other words, he's got to, he's not super, super direct. He takes time. He's rather diffuse. That's an interesting word that, that she's using, diffuse in his manner of approaching you. So um, definitely be open to the contact. Uh, be polite. She's saying don't play hard to get, and that doesn't mean, you know, don't don't be, you know, solicitous. But but um, because he's trying to garner, he's trying to get the, um, I don't want to say the courage, but, yeah, kind of the courage to to um, approach you, so so that's what I'm getting. Now you're asking what is his purpose, and the only response I'm getting is it's time, it's time. Okay. Does that help you at all? Yeah, I think so. I I I feel we've had a past connection, like. Just because of like the similarities, and there's a lot of similarities with us, and just well, that's a good thing. I mean, that's that's a, that's a good thing, and that kind of fits in with the the train imagery. Is you know you've, you've been on the same track, or rather on parallel tracks, and now you're at the station at the same time, which is why it's time. So so go with the flow. This looks like a good thing. I'm not I'm not getting that this is a bad thing. Um, let me see. Is he kind of a quiet guy overall? No, I would say no. But I would say maybe he thinks what he, you know, Go ahead. thinks before what he thinks before he says things. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good thing too. All right. Um, because I'm getting kind of quiet, um, kind of a nice sense of humor, not over the top, kind of subtle. Um, he he portrays himself in a confident way, 
but behind the behind the the veneer behind that he's he's not quite as self confident as you might think. Okay, so you know he's he's doing his best. He's doing his best. Um I and I get he's a little on the shy side. I just keep getting that. A little on the shy side. Not like he's an introvert, but he's he's very cautious. And it feels like, you know, he's he's been through some relationships and things in the past where he's been burned and and he likes you, and he wants to make sure that he's doing the right thing. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure, Amy. I'm glad that you called in. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Okay, you too. I had a question from the chat room. Is uh, somebody wants to know how do you hear your messages? Do you um, hear it or do you get symbols? Uh, all of the above. Um, I, I get symbols like that. That particular spirit communicated more in the form of visual imagery. Sometimes I actually hear a complete message. Like I did hear, it's time, it's time, it's time. So I heard that. And a lot of times I feel it in the way of uh, an emotion. And when you hear it, a lot of times it's like the thoughts you hear in your head. And that's where you have to be very careful as a medium um, that what you're getting is coming from the spirit and is not your own conclusions being formed. Okay. No, yeah, it's interesting how different people get their messages. Yes, it is. I, I know some people that are strictly clairaudient. They hear things that that's what they hear. Um, and other people, they just feel it. Uh, and then some people, they, they just see it. And then there's various combinations thereof. Cool. Uh, Want to take a couple more calls? Absolutely. Okay. Eric code five one six, you're on the air. Five one six. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey Mark, how's it going? Tom in New York. Hey Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. What can we help you with tonight? Oh, I don't know, do you see any spirits around me? And if you could tell me anything maybe about my love life or something, that would be wonderful. Okay, we got spirits and love life tonight. That's a good theme. All right, let, let's see who we got around you. Uh, okay, I'm getting a male energy around you, um, very possibly connected with the male slash father's side of your family. Um, let me let me describe what I'm getting. Uh, this man, he feels like he was in his late 70s, possibly early 80s when he passed. He still had some hair on his head, um, although it was thinning. Uh, very, very, a um, lot of lines in his face. I mean, lots. Um, and I get the distinct feeling that he was a very heavy smoker because I'm getting this feeling in my upper chest that I associate with um, like emphysema, possibly COPD, and I get this tickling feeling in my throat. So we had some real issues um, also, he had uh, stomach and pancreatic issues going on as well. Um, I'm feeling that he could possibly be on the grandfather level, which doesn't necessarily mean he's a grandfather. It could be a great uncle or somebody that had a grandfatherly 
uh, way about him. Um, but the smoking, wow. I mean, it's just I'm getting the whole, taste it, feel it. And I think he smoked menthol cigarettes, at least for a big part of it. Does this does this resonate with you at all? I'm not sure, Marcus, just because I'm first-generation American. And as well, um, all, all my relatives are in Europe, and my father was adopted. So I'm not sure if that's his paternal father, maybe, or I'm not sure. Okay. All right. So... Let me let me ask the spirit because it you know if if you can't identify him then I'm going to ask him to to step aside but let me see what he's got to say okay um, lemons and lemonade um, wow lemons and lemonade does that make any sense to you uh, no no all right because I'm getting the sense that when you were a little boy um, you probably around three or four. And there was a wagon, uh, like a little red wagon, like one of those, I guess they call it Red Rider wagons or, or whatever, um, that that this gentleman was in your life. So he may not have been a family member or a, a blood relative, but he was somebody that was somehow connected with you when you were quite young. Um, that's where, like, I'm getting, like, either lemonade, lemon candy, lemon drops, something like that. But if that's not resonating with you, um, I'm going to pass on that that particular spirit. Was okay. he kind of heavy? Maybe looking like kind of like Santa Claus, but without a beard and maybe a little bald on top. Well, I'm glad you said that because um, with the Red Rider wagon, I'm getting a Christmas tree, um, and, I, and I wish I would have said that before. You know, it's like I'm going to kick myself. I always do that. So when you said Santa Claus, there is a Christmas image, so that must must be related to this particular individual. Does that make sense to you then? Yes, yes, that does, yes. Okay. I think that's my, I think that's my other ground. That's my, my mom's father, though. That's, that's my oh, okay. Father. All right, so I got the wrong side of the family, but we're getting grand. All right, all right, fine. Um, and the house that that is associated with him or, or you from that era um, had more than one story to it is what I'm getting. Does that make right, sense? Right, right, right. Yes, because okay. uh, I remember a picture of him pulling me in the wagon, and we lived in an apartment building in Queens. Bingo. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why the wagon came up. That's the Christmas right. imagery, and I'm seeing the staircase, and I believe there were wooden floors as well. So I'm, I'm feeling like wooden floors. So well, I was under. In, I was like it. four. I was like four or younger. Right. So if you wouldn't remember, but that that's that's what I'm getting. Okay. So this is the gentleman that's around you. Um... Hmm. Wait, let me let me get a little bit more from him. Um this is interesting because now he's showing me um pencils with erasers and paper, um graph paper. Now what that means is when I get that particular image that the the career or the profession that he did required that he keep track of things. In other words, he it not necessarily office work but whatever he did, he needed to keep track of, like either inventory or figures or mathematical things. So right. he had a precise. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, good. Yeah, I know there was, there was a lot of mathematicians in the family, and he might have been an architect. So you're talking about graph paper. So. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. All right. Um, yeah, show me a T square. Uh, what's that thing? A T. T. Uh, it's not a T square. It's. It looks like a ruler, but it's got that black. I know. Black, yeah, I don't know what it's called. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. All right, mm-hmm. yes. So he's showing me one of those. 
All right, so so that's him. And yes, he had a great laugh like this. When you were talking about Santa Claus, he's got this <laughs> type of laugh going on. All right, so you know about that. All right, so good. Right. Communicating yep. um much 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 quicker. What much quicker now? Um he used to like to scare you, but funny scare you. Um like jump out and go boo, you know, that type of thing. I mean, it wasn't like creepy scary. It was, you know, how grandfathers right, right. play with their kids. Right. All right, so so he's doing all that. All right, so that's very cool. Um, hold on, let me see what he has to say before we get into your love life. Um, is part of your family Irish? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. The only reason I'm seeing that is I'm seeing a green clover that I would associate either with Irish or St. Patrick's Day. So I don't know if St. Patrick's Day has any, and I know it's coming up next week, Um but but I'm getting I'm getting that okay mm-hmm. all right only, now you only, gotta, go go ahead no, the only thing I, the only thing I could think of is my mom who's still here she she has like eagle eyes and she's always finding four leaf four leaf clovers okay <laughs> and this is her father right mm-hmm. okay there we go. All right, very good. So you're you're good to read for because you helped me draw the connect. I hate it when people go, no, 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 don't know, don't know. Then later on they'll call me, oh, yeah, remember that clover thing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let, let's see Let's see what he's got uh, to say. Da-da-da-da. Okay, this is da-da-da-da. Yes, there is news. That's what he's saying. He was a funny guy. Um, nice guy, very kindly. Um, didn't didn't take very good care of himself. That is that is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "Tell my little girl hi." So I guess that means your mom. Um, all right, now you want to know about your love life? Yes, please. Interesting. Wow, this is so funny. He goes, "There you go again," and I'm hearing it the way Ronald Reagan used to say it. So I don't know if he was a Republican or anything. He's like, "There you go again." <laughs> okay. Um, you're always worrying, always worrying uh, about that. Um, hold on. Huh. He said basically if you take a step back and just relax, um, things are going to come to you. Um, he says that when you meet somebody you like, you have a tendency to let them know I like you right away, and he said, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, because people are going to like you, and you have a tendency to take people at face value. In other words, you think that everybody has the same genuine and forthcoming motivations and motives that you do. And so when you come forward and put all of your emotional cards on the table, he said not everybody is like that. Not everybody responds in the way that you would like them to. And he said, you know, don't worry so much about that. He says, just don't don't be so intense about it and let it happen. And he says, and then you're going to strike that chord with the right person um, who's going to appreciate your honesty and your straightforwardness. But, and now, I'm sorry, but this was coming across. He says that when you do this intense thing, um, it is perceived, and he's kind of using the word clingy, like, you know, you're, you're trying to cling on to somebody, and that, that, causes, that causes people to, to hesitate when they're getting involved with you. 
And he says, but if you remove that from it, he goes, everything should be fine. So, so that's what the message is. Cool. Okay. So, um, do you see someone new coming into my life, or? Yes. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing at him. The way he talks, it's very like 1950s. You guys, you got to spiff it up, boy. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't exactly understand what he means by that. But I know spiffy is like you know, um, like you got to tidy up your act a bit. Um, hold on. You gotta spiff it up, boy. Um, was he a baseball fan by any chance? Because I keep seeing a baseball glove, a baseball, and a and a, a bat. Um, no, if anything, it would be soccer. Okay, okay. Just keep a note of that. Keep a note of that because there there's something about. Wait, wait. Did he live like? Um, was he from? You're from New York. I'm in New York, yeah. All right, because that could be a New York Yankees reference. I, I'm not sure, just just what I'm seeing. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, do I see somebody, or does he see somebody coming into your life? Um, yes, of course, and that's why he's saying, you know, just kind of change your approach to things. You know, just let it flow. Be more easygoing about it, and he goes, and it'll come. Um, what it is, you're a nice guy. Um, you have a very calm and smooth and pleasant demeanor about you. And that is going to be a very attractive trait. But when you get kind of upfront with your feelings too soon, that has a tendency to to create barriers. So basically, be a little bit more reserved. And when he says spiff it up a bit, um, I'm still getting back to that. I think it's just be a little bit more guarded in your approach. Is is what I think he's just saying. Anything else, Mark? Um, hold on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could keep going because there's other people that want to talk to you, but you know, then we'll be end up turning this into a a, a whole whole full blown reading. Um, yeah, and the, I know I'm sure there's many people who want to speak to you. Yeah, you know, and it's it's fun because I'm getting a good connection from this guy. Um, his wife is over there. Your your um, your grandmother on that side too. Um, and uh, she just wants to, she's thrown cookies at me. Um, I know everybody's granny makes cookies, but these have a very strong ginger flavor to them. So she's just wanting you to know that ginger, boy, this woman liked her sugar in in a, in a very big way. Um, so just want you to know that uh, she's touching base too. Okay, awesome. Yeah, they're they're like gingerbread men, I think. So I don't know if that makes sense to you, but... Um, that one you need to run by your mom. The gingerbread men, a lot of ginger, a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, you can always visit Mark too over at his website of um, healgriefwithbelief.com and see if I'm getting a private, more extended reading with him too. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. And, and I you, do appreciate you, it. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, Tom. I'd like to ask you a question. This is one sure. I like to pose. People like me as a medium. Okay, and and I'm all for that, but here's the question: Would would you hire a lawyer that you heard was a psychic? Would I hire him as a psychic or as a lawyer? Well, you you know that this guy is a psychic, but now you you would you hire him if you needed a lawyer 
it's, it's a question I, I like to pose to to listeners. Sure, I don't. Sure, I don't feel like that. You think some people have a problem with that, Mark? Um, I think some people do. I think some people do. Then I have other people that seek me out simply because of that, because they think. You know, I can read minds and stuff like that, and it's like, right, look, right. I got enough going on. <laughs> I got enough going on in my own head, you know. <laughs> well, it's I one thing for could... spirits. Of... Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I, I could see how it could work to your advantage. Sure, I, I would definitely hire someone like that. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate you answering that question. <laughs> Quite welcome. Thank you for your time, Mark. I appreciate it. Take care, Tom. Thank you, God Michael. Love. Have a good night. You're, you're welcome. We'll talk to you again later. Yes, bye. Uh, let me see if I can get that in the chat room here. Oh, somebody wanted to know, have you ever um, done a reading and not received a message at all? Um, I'm trying to think. Yes. Uh, yes. There's this one lady, and she says that no matter what psychic, what medium she goes to, nobody can ever get anything for her. And it was really frustrating because she's such a sweet person and she's a really good person, and she wants to make a connection so badly, and nobody can, nobody that I know in the metaphysical community can make that connection for her, and we don't understand why. So, I mean, I have my theories. I think that she is incredibly psychic, and basically the reason that this isn't happening is because she is supposed to explore this avenue for herself and open that up. Because that's kind of the feeling that I got, but um, but yeah, but that has happened on one occasion, and I've done about, gosh, close to three thousand readings. So I guess that's not too bad, three thousand to one. No, that's not bad. That answered my second part of the question, and is uh, you know why would you think that happens sometimes? Yeah, I well, you know, recently I did a reading for these two people. They came to see me. And I had a bad feeling about it ahead of time. And you probably get that too, Michael. I mean, there's just ahead of time, you say, I don't know anything about these people, but I had a bad feeling. And I kept saying, I really need to cancel this. They come in, and like like Tom was really good at working with me on like the clover and the Christmas tree and all that. No matter what I said, no, no, you're wrong. You're inconsistent. You're wrong. No, that's not what she was like. That's not what he was like. And uh, and in the middle of the reading, um, the guy got up and goes, nah, I don't believe in this crap, and he gets up and walks out. And so eventually, I just said, Look, let's just let's just call it let's just call it here. Um, so you will get people occasionally that they're so negative about the the experience that no matter what I say, they're going to shoot down. Now I do not find fault with these people uh, because. Then they tell me, well, we wanted to talk to our father, and he died three weeks ago. And it says on my website, in the schedule of reading section, my website is uh, healgriefwithbelief.com or thepsychiclawyer.com, whichever whatever one, it goes the same place. It says you should give yourself at least six months before you do a reading. The spirits are capable of communicating right away. That's what I believe. But we're not ready for the for the communication. We are desperately wanting to communicate but three weeks out from a death you're basically still in shock you're so full of anger that no matter what comes through you're not really going to respond to it perhaps the way you should some people might be different but the the rule of thumb is 
three to six months before you initiate contact with the other side. You've got to get some stability in your life. You've got to get through a couple of the, the initial grieving uh, stages before the reading is going to make any sense for you. What, what's your take on that, Michael? Um, yeah, I feel the same way, too. You have to wait a while um, because, you know, they can communicate at any time. Uh, but it's up to us to be able to really be ready for that communication because we just won't understand what's uh, what the message is. Because we'll be looking for something specific, and if they don't give it to us, they're going to be like, oh, no, you don't have the connection. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I'd like to, for all the um, uh, the listeners out there, if you go to my website, healgriefwithbelief.com, on, um, on my website you can link to my Facebook page. And that'll go to my quote-unquote fan page. And Tanya was talking about this, too. I, I don't like the idea of a fan page, but my regular page is a 5,000-person limit. I think you've exceeded yours or you're close to it, and Tanya's close to it. So I created a quote-unquote fan page because there's no limit. And I post the same information on both. So if you would go to that and go ahead and fan me, like me, whatever they call it uh, there, there's a question I'd like to have um, people respond to is, do you believe in the death penalty, or do you think a killer should spend um, life in prison? And I'd be really interested to see what people think about that. So that would be, you know, to go to my fan page, and you can link to that through my website, thepsychiclawyer.com. And that's the question. Do you believe in the death penalty, or do you think a killer should spend life in prison? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm doing some research, and I'd love to get people's okay. feedback on that. Cool. I just posted your um, uh, link to your Facebook page, and you already got like 15 comments on there, so. Oh, fantastic. So you're already getting a response on there. Super. Yeah, the death penalty is is uh, quite controversial, and as you know, Michael, here in Florida they do um, exercise it, and um, you know there's a lot of mixed feelings on it. Um, I heard somebody, a friend of mine who was a sheriff who's now a lawyer, and uh, then became the elected sheriff. So talk about full circle. Um, he said, nope, I don't believe in the death penalty. And I go, really? Why? You're like the most rednecky redneck I know. And he goes, because it costs too much money. He goes, by the time they get done with all the appeals up to the U.S. Supreme Court, you spent three times as much as you would have if you just kept them in prison their whole life. I said, well, logical. That's very interesting. So I'd, I'd just be thrilled to you know hear, hear more more about what people say. Okay, Michael, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not a problem. I'll, I'll go ahead and post my comment later on on that one. Okay, super. Eric code 858, you're on the air. 858? Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm tickled. I heard 858, and I was just kind of zoning out answering the question <laughs> 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 on, his, on his fan page. <laughs> Um, tickled to be speaking to you. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, and how can Mark help you tonight? Well, I, you know, I have to say that I was really eager to speak to him since he is a medium, and I was wondering if he had any messages from me or for me from any of the pillars that have recently passed away um, in my life. I'm sorry, any of the... I call them pillars. My, I've lost um, all the people that I looked up to 
um, my uh, older brother, my father, my other mother, my mother-in-law. I mean, they're all, they're gone. Uh, They're gone physically here. Right. So my sounding boards for sorting things out or thinking things through have, they're all gone. So I don't know if there's any messages. Maybe they want to, you know, just send a little guidance. (laughs) Okay. Well, what's interesting, as soon as you got on the phone and I heard your voice, I felt like I was on, like, I got to describe this sensation. It's almost like being on a roller coaster, except it's like driving real fast up and down hills and all that, like almost out of control in a car, okay? And it makes a lot of sense because as soon as you said the, the, the pillars in my life have been taken away, it's it's like, I, I don't want to say that you're out of control because you're not out of control, but it's like... Um, Emotionally, things are are going so fast, and you haven't had a chance to catch up to the emotions yet. And I'm feeling this incredible female energy. I'm getting a woman that's about maybe five, six. Um, She had longer hair. And when I say longer hair, it could have been shoulder length. Um, She did used to color her hair because the roots were kind of gray, but she colored her hair darker. She had a um, medium build to her. Um, I feel that she was, for the most part, a stay-at-home mom um, because she was very busy, always worrying about caring uh, for people. Um, she was always in the kitchen doing things, cooking things, because uh, I see lots of dishes around her. Um, I'm also getting that she lived in in a a um, in a two-story in a two-story house. Um, because, well, that's what I'm seeing, okay? okay? And it wasn't a large or opulent house. Um, you know, it was nice, but but it wasn't wasn't like she lived at you know 12 Oaks or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm seeing um, the 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 dress that she's wearing had vertical stripes to it. So I don't know if that makes any any sense to you. Um, also, where she lived. It was cloudy a lot of the time. In other words, uh, the winters were long, and it rained uh, fairly often. This does not feel like I live in Florida. This is not a Florida environment at all. Does this make any sense to you? Mm, Not yet. Okay. Let let me work with her some more because she's a good connection. Um, Okay. All right. Her passing, she's pointing to her head. Okay, um, and it, the, what, what that indicates to me is it could have been either a brain aneurysm, a stroke, cerebral hemorrhage, uh, something like that. It was a sharp pain in her head, and boom, then she went. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hold on. Yeah, her her passing was quite unexpected. Um, or, or rather it was very sudden And it's interesting because I'm getting this tumbling down the stairs almost I don't know if she fell down the stairs But I think it's more that that was the sensation that you experienced When you found out about her passing Because this one really, really hit you hard They all hit you hard, um, but this one this one did Okay Um 
bear with me for a second. I'm getting a lot of background noise, so uh, forgive me. You know, prior to her passing, though, she was just so tired is what she's saying. Does this make sense to you? Mm, uh Uh-huh. Yes, it does. Okay, because she's, uh, I was so tired, I was so tired. Um, And this is interesting, too, because that driving analogy again, um, what's that mean? Bear with me. I'm sorry, there's a lot of background noise. Somebody, I'm getting a lot of uh, background noise. For me? Yeah, Michael, do you hear that? Yeah, I hear that too. So, do you have something playing in the background? Uh, my mom's watching TV. Okay, I that's what we're picking up. All right, yeah. Can you move farther away from that because everything yeah, we do involves. Yeah, he can't hear me because that, that's too loud. The second ma. Okay, how's that? Thank you. Yeah, everything we do <laughs> involves frequency, and it's like it's it's anyway. I'll explain later. All right, let's get back to back to the spirit. Um, Okay, hold on, here comes the message. She's using the word temptation. Now, I'm not, she's not using this in the the, uh, traditional Christian sense that, oh, there's temptations around you. So let me, let me see. Um, The temptation for you is to get off the path, to get off the track, okay? And that's where this crazy driving um, sensation comes from. She said that by nature you like everything to be expected and predictable. Um, It's not that you don't like to think for yourself. The reason that you looked up to all these people as your pillars is because they could give you that advice. But you see, the reason that I'm getting this crazy driving uh, feeling is that now your um, path in life has gotten to the point where you are in the driver's seat although you don't feel that you are. And it's all about learning to take control of that vehicle so it isn't Mr. Toad's wild ride. It is instead a clear and consistent objective, okay? Mm -hmm. And she said that we will always be with you and we will always be there for you in spirit, but now it is time for you to emerge in many ways. And there's three ways in which you must emerge. There is the spiritual, there is the mental, and there is the physical. Let's take the spiritual first. The spiritual you get. You understand that. Uh, Right now you're kind of clouded in in a darkness. And by that darkness I don't mean evil or anything like that. It's emotional pain and it is a barrier to you to actually connecting with your higher self. Okay, that is going to fade away in time and you're going to feel much more connected spiritually than you have. Now, mentally, mentally right now, you're kind of experiencing a lot of confusion, but you are and you're not, which makes sense. You are and you're not. You're confused. In other words, you know what you have to do in life, but there's Mm -hmm. all these things that are driving you nuts. (laughs) Okay, and you feel those distractions 
and you feel you never have enough time for yourself and you feel like you have all this responsibility and you need time to grieve and you need time to think and you need time to plan, but no one's giving you any of that time. And everyone's driving you crazy. And that's what I'm getting. It's like this almost frenetic energy. And what's interesting about this is despite all of these distractions, in the center of it is where you are. And Oh, that's killing me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, in fact, that's the, perfect, that's the perfect background noise for what you're experiencing. That's what it's like, okay? You've got stuff like that going on constantly, yet mentally you are struggling to overcome all of that, okay? Now, physically... Uh, for the most part, physically you're kind of okay, but all these uh, depression, you're getting headaches, aren't you? Not, not really, no. Oh, okay, because I'm getting like um, headaches, um, agitation. Um, it's it's very agitation, tactile. Yes. <laughs> okay, agitation. <laughs> Um, I, I get a lot of tension headaches, being a lawyer and a psychic, go figure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get a lot of, lot of tension headaches, and that's how I'm, I'm interpreting that. Um, and what you've got to watch out for is that this can cause you some health concerns. Now, I'm not talking cancer or anything like that, but, I mean, you can get sick. You can get like a cold. It's going to wear you down. And yeah. so the thing is, once once you get the spiritual and the mental in alignment, then the physical will fall into place. And that's where you are, and that's where you're going. And so that's what the message is. Okay, so, also, so I, I need you a know, driver's training class? <laughs> yeah, basically, um, yeah. more in the, the, okay. the psychic sense. But, yeah, it yeah. was really interesting when you came on. I was like, whoa, and it's like, you know, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, that's the way it felt. It was like, you know, twists and turns and all this. I was like, whoa. This is this is interesting. It's been well. It's been it's just been lots and lots and lots of deaths the last five years. Just just a, just a nonstop, uh, very close relationships, very impactful from work to immediate family. So was your brother your brother passed right? Yeah. Uh, was his passing uh, very unexpected? Yes. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me let's let's focus on him for a minute. Yeah, I'm getting like this wham, and it was like all uh-huh. over. Um, yeah. and he, and he said, "Thank God." <laughs> I mean, and, and and the reason I'm saying that is, well, he didn't suffer. It was quick. Your, your brother would never have done very well being bedridden. Um, yeah. and I'm getting that your brother was one of these guys. He reminds me of my brother, constantly in motion. In other words, he's yep. got two speeds, on and off, you know, okay? Yep. And if he wasn't in motion, he was unconscious. And if he wasn't unconscious, he was up driving everybody crazy, and he's all over the place. And, oh, my God, this guy was a fireball of energy. Okay. Um, but what what he was, he was quick thinking, he was quick in action, and he was extremely decisive is, is yep. what I'm getting about him. Okay. Um, and you always felt... Um, safe with him. He had a very protective thing about you. Um, what you did resent, is, is what he's saying, is that he was always telling you what to do. Okay, <laughs> And you got to the point where you would say yes, 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 but you really wouldn't listen to him and then it was turned into this <laughs> her, you know, type of thing. And <laughs> you, you, know, you, know, you know what he's saying. Typical, um, yes. Hold on. 
Yeah, l- let me let me get um let me get a mess. Let me see if I can get him to slow down <laughs> long enough to give me a message. Um This is interesting. He's holding up a little package of lifesavers. Remember those little lifesaver candies? Little lifesavers. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does this make sense to you? <laughs> no. It, I'm laughing okay. because I mean the lifesaver, I I I mean he was a lifesaver. There he you was go. A lifesaver. Okay, now that's why he's showing me a pack of lifesavers because that okay, he was a lifesaver. All right, let me see what the message is in conjunction with that. Hold on. He said, everyone's always told you what to do and how to think. And he goes, well, now it's up to you. Okay, very direct. This guy didn't write philosophy, but boy, when he gave a message, it was very direct and very to the point. Um, I get that he liked hamburgers a lot, too. (laughs) Yeah, he liked his meat, that's for sure. He sure did. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, I'm being all philosophical, next thing you're shoving a hamburger in my face, which, you know, almost midnight, now I feel like going out and getting a hamburger after the show. <laughs> it can't be just any hamburger, it's got to be a really great hamburger, high quality, really yummy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, nice guy, nice guy. Um, you know, in a way, he has this whole sailor thing going on, so I don't know if he liked boats or boating or something. Um, he but he reminds he was me. A merchant of, seaman. Okay, there we go. Okay, because so, you know, I was getting this whole like pop. I'm hearing like pop by the sailor, man. I don't want to say okay, you might, you know, but I'm getting that whole sailor thing going on. All right. Yeah. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Not the navy, a merchant marine. No, no, I know the merchant marine is very okay. different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I understand that. Okay. Let's see if he's got a parting message. He goes, "Hell, we're just getting started." Um, <laughs> But but being as the, you know we have the confines of the show, but let, let me see if he's got one one parting message. Um, he's making a reference to his unending stream of bathroom humor. Okay. Um, yeah, he figured you'd get that, um, but now he wants to be serious. Aww. Were you his little sister? Yeah. Okay. All right, that, that's what I'm getting. He's got this whole little sister thing, um, and it's this is very sweet. Uh, he's actually uh, portraying these little little chocolates, like the the creams, you know, the the chocolate covered creams um, mm-hmm. that that he's giving to you. And he says, "You'll always be my baby sister." Okay, and he goes, "And don't you forget that, and don't you let go of that." So that's what he wants to leave you with. Wow! Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Boy, he was oh, a lot of wow. fun. <laughs> well, I am a lot of fun. I, I, I do. I can drive. I just. I think I'm going to get a different car. Okay. Mark, thank you so much. I really oh, it's appreciate my pleasure. it. Really oh, appreciate it. Great you. show tonight. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Bye. Good night. That's always um, good when we get messages from loved ones and gives it the confirmation that you know they're still alive on the other side and letting us know that hey, I'm you know watching over you. Yeah, I mean uh, um, both those energies, but the the second one, the brother, boy, he was tough to keep up with. I mean, 
you know, it's we get very caught up in the death and dying of a loved one, which I totally get. Okay, I mean, and I would never fault anyone for that. Um, but when they're on the other side, I mean, energetically, they're anything but dead. And that guy is just as alive. He was like a fireball of energy. It was really quite amazing um, connecting with him. And they are very busy. I don't know if we can fully understand or appreciate what it is that they they do over there. And when they communicate with, with people like yourself, Michael, and with me, what they're doing is they're slowing down their energetic vibration to the point where we can can communicate with them. But to completely understand what they do, um, and what they do is quite magnificent. Um, I don't. I don't think we can fully comprehend it. Yeah, it is interesting when you know, and um, when you try to let them know, it's you know, I'll tell them in the middle of the reading, I'll be like, okay, please slow down so I can understand what you're saying, and I'll vocalize that and talk it, and the person's like, huh? I said they're just going a mile a minute. As I just yeah. ask them to slow down a little bit so I can understand, and they're like, "Oh, that sounds like them." Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and, it's and like, it's, oh. well, they they communicate from the other side very much like they communicated when they were here. So if the person was very shy and, and demure, they're not going to come through like da 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 da. You know, they're not going to come through super um, over the top and gregarious because first off that that's not them and secondly it wouldn't make any sense and as they explain it in England I remember this one of my professors there said well it's just a person without a body <laughs> you know and, and you know the English are so matter-of-fact about it and obviously they're they're much more than than that but they do communicate very much like they did like like that last uh, spirit he was very energetic in life and still is from the other side and then other people um, if they were quiet and shy and it was like pulling teeth to get any information out of them, well, they're pretty much going to communicate like that from the other side as well. Yeah, I think uh, my most interesting, there's two of them that I remember the most, but one of them was when someone wanted to contact the lost you know, family member who crossed over. And I'm like, okay, how do I say this to you? They're like, why? Because I'm hearing, why the hell would I want to talk to you for? I didn't want to talk to you when I was alive. <laughs> and they started they started crying. They said that's them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean and, and I've had people, you know, you're trying to be all very spiritual and serious and the spirit comes through and they cursed like a whole troop of Marines when they're alive and they kinda still are and it's like, Okay, how do you diplomatically say, you know, what what they're doing? But once again, that's evidential and, and that is the type of evidence that a spirit presents which helps to validate that the communication is authentic. Because, I mean, we can always get into into what's called the, the four assumed dialogues. They're with you. They love you. They bring you joy. They want you to feel uplifted. Now, I'm not discounting those four messages because it's very important for people to hear those things from spirits. But when you get into these, you know, and I've and I've listened to a lot of shows and a lot of mediums, and oh, they're with you, they love you, they bring you joy, they bring you uplifting. I mean, that can pretty much be said of everyone. It's to me much more interesting when they show you the the cursing and and what cookies they liked and that they drank a particular type of whiskey or or whatever, because those are the the things that made them 
or part of the things that made them unique while they were here in the material world. And by conveying that information from the other side, it validates the contact. Yeah, and it's it's interesting how they managed to go ahead and come uh, come across to us. I had, uh, the other memorable one was um, I had this woman's daughter come through. And I asked her, I said, okay, so this is kind of odd. And I said, is she was she gay? And she's like, no. I said, all right. I said, because I'm getting it. I said, hold on. And what happened was the woman's daughter was there, got the confirmation, but there was a guy hiding behind her ah. who, happened to be, who happened to be gay, and it was the woman's son's uh, boyfriend who had uh, committed suicide. Oh. And I'm wow. like, and she said, yeah, that would be him because he was always shy, quiet type and hiding behind other people. Ah, interesting. Inter- you know, I was doing a reading um, a couple of weeks ago, and th- this particular person that I was doing the reading for, um, the mother and father came through. And I kept getting this feeling of infidelity on the father's part. She goes, no, it was my my uh, mother who used to cheat on my dad. And I started getting this feeling that, well, he kind of preferred the company of men more to women. She goes, oh, yeah, he liked hanging out at, you know, the golf club or whatever. And that's not what I was, <laughs> you know, that, that that's not what was coming through. Um, and I didn't, I didn't push the point because, I um, mean, this woman was just very, very happy to hear from her dad. But her dad basically wanted to come out of the cosmic closet, I guess, Um but I didn't feel, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and, and, and you know, I'd like to hear what you think about this. You know, I didn't feel it was necessary for me to convey those particular messages. The, 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 that, that wasn't the crux of the message. The crux of the message was him apologizing for his alcoholic and at times very angry behavior towards her. And that's what she needed to hear, not that it seemed like her dad was cheating on her mom with other men. And and that's that's what it felt like, uh, or, or energetically, that's what, what the message seemed to be like. Um, you know, I mean, I think we, we have to be diplomatic uh, to some to some extent, uh, but I also think we need to, to convey the information as it's given. So sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a judgment call. Yeah, it was it was hard to go ahead and do that, Reed, but then when the message was coming through, she was actually relaying a message to her son. And I told her, I need to give his son a call right now because he's really depressed and having a hard time. And she called me back up an hour later, and she relayed the message, and her son was going through a major depression and needed to, you know, needed that message that we ended up getting through. Yeah, isn't that great when stuff like that happens? Um, it's, and, and, and you know you're you're describing uh, something that happens uh, quite a bit for for a lot of mediums, and it's good that we'll be doing a reading for somebody, and a spirit comes through to give a message not to that person, but for somebody else that's over here. And I've always found that that to be very fascinating, um, and and it's nice too because it's unexpected, and once again, it validates that the communication's real. Um, you know, I was doing a reading for a woman, <clears throat> and a little girl came through, and the woman I was reading for had to be in her 60s. She goes, oh, my God. 
so that's a little girl that I knew when I was in like fourth grade, and she died. I forget, you know, how it is that the the child died, and this particular spirit came through with a very relevant and poignant message. And she goes, "My God, I haven't thought of that little girl in over fifty years." And it's like, well, apparently, you know, she's she's connected, and she wanted to get that message through. And I always find that fascinating. I mean, to me, every reading is a test. Every reading is is an adventure. And, you know, I am not impressed with myself at all. Um, I'm impressed with the gift. In other words, I'm just the conduit. And I am part of a, of a greater scheme, which is, you know, uh, uh, far beyond beyond my understanding, um, but it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, I just I thank God for this every day. Yeah, it is a blessing when we can um, relay the messages to people and give them the the hope and the uh, comfort that they need. Absolutely. Let's take a couple more calls because I think we have time for at least one or two more. Okay. Hi, William. You're on the air. Good evening, uh, Michael and Mark. How are you tonight? Good. How can we help you? Well, I was calling in to inquire with Mark if he had any uh, closer insight on uh, the court case that Uriel's working on for me. Any time frames? It seems are you to be getting me... closer and closer. But go All right, you're going to have to give me some background on that one. The court case that Uriel is working on for you. Now, are we talking about Uriel the Archangel? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. And, I mean, I'm not trying to be facetious, but I didn't know that angels litigated. <laughs> so, well, if there's litigation uh, on the other side, it better. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm she's, sorry. She's Go ahead. doing an extra hand. Go ahead. Okay. Um... I'm not really getting much of anything. Give me some more background, see what I can pick up. It's you got to realize dis- it's close to midnight here, so I'm doing uh, my best. Just a disability mess of sorts that I've been waiting for for about, like, about four and a half years. Okay, hold on. The disability seems as if it flows through your body as opposed to being localized. Does that make any sense? Well, at times, at times. Okay. Um, interesting. It feels like you're stretched really thin in a physical sense. Uh, and what I mean by that is it's it's like there's not enough of you to go around. It's it's a very odd physical sensation that I'm that I'm being given. Um Well, I and uh, Definitely overextend myself often. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Your energy is very good, and that's in an internal sense. Um, Mm -hmm. You have a fierce spirit, okay, Um, a tremendous determination. And what's really nice is no matter what, you don't give up. You don't give up. And I keep hearing you don't give up. All right. Um, you do have the blessings of the Almighty. In other words, this is the, the great physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual test of your life. And, and I want to go through that. Uh, this is an, more of an auric reading, 
Um, let's take the physical. The physical is quite obvious. Um, there are times you feel as if you're a prisoner in your own body, yet despite that, you don't give up. Obviously, you have good days. Some days you have bad days. And on the bad yeah. days, it, you just don't even feel like you want to want to even get up is what I'm getting, um, which then leads to the emotional. Um, the emotional, you know, you've got a really good attitude towards things. So many people in your position would just want to fold up and and give up on everything. Yeah. Um, and you seem to inherit this sense of optimism. Um, and I'm getting it. It comes from your paternal, your father's side of the family, um, maybe from your dad, very practical. It's as if you're the candle in the dark room, and no matter how dark it gets, you're always the flame that's burning there to to be grounded, to be focused, to be looking forward, okay? So, yeah. which then leads you into the mental aspect of your life. Now, mental aspect of your life, you've got a great mind, a great intellect, um, but you would describe yourself mentally as feeling frayed at the edges at times. And there have been times in your life where you've questioned your own sanity, um, which is completely understandable given all the difficulties that you've yeah. been put through. Um, yeah. You're you would be described as the sharpest tack in the box, okay? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes highly intelligent and emotionally sensitive people always feel close to the edge and are always questioning things. And not only do you question everything around you, you have a tendency to question yourself. And those questions lead us now into the spiritual realm of your of your aura, which is quite good now what's what i love about your spiritual aura you've got these extended bands around you that are going from this lilac into violet into purple into into it's like this whole very very purple um uh band which obviously is the higher chakras so you have a tendency uh from a spiritual sense uh do you meditate by any chance uh usually try to at least uh, a couple times a day yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, and and, and when I say that is, um, your connection is really good, and you have a tendency to be in your higher chakras than your lower ones, because the lower ones are more connected with your body, and you're kind of annoyed with your body and all that. Um, so the message would be is you need to focus a little bit more on the lower chakras, uh, okay. the red, orange, yellow area, um, the heart mm -hmm. chakra. Wow, a lot of issues going on there. I think more from an energetic standpoint than a physical disability standpoint. Um, and so from a spiritual standpoint, you're very good, but what I'm getting is a, a disharmony. Too, I don't want to say too much emphasis because you can't overemphasize your higher chakras, but basically yeah. the spiritual message is you need to give some equal time to being grounded. That's it. That's what they're saying is that you need to be a little bit more grounded energetically. Yeah. Um, well, so that's what I, it, I do try to uh, keep that uh, highest uh, evolution going on, but I still want to be as grounded as possible. Right. And and you know that's what they're saying. Um, that's what they're saying is that's what you need to do. Um, and it and it's hard. You know, and and for people on the spiritual path like yourself, it's more fun 
if you will, if that's the right word, to kind of be into the the spiritual and and the connecting and all that. But we got to realize that while we're here in the material world, we are tethered to this body. You know, think of your body as a spacesuit. You know, yeah. and your spirit is is you, and eventually you're going to shed this spacesuit and be able to go and do what you want. But while you're yeah. in the spacesuit, you have to put up with it, and you're kind of agitated with that. Well, not really agitated, just uh, more of uh, trying to do the best I can to uh, right. be the biggest help that I can. Uh, and so I guess maybe sometimes I do overextend myself and hate to say no, and, uh, you know. Um, but the court case, uh, to answer your question directly, I'm seeing the number eight, the number eight, the number eight. Now, um, I'm also feeling it's eight months now. So here's the big question. Is that eight months from now or the eighth month of the year? Um, let's see, eight months from now would be the end of the year. Ah, I get it. Okay, if it's going to resolve this year, it's going to resolve uh, or come to a head in August. But the settlement will be by the end of the year because that's when insurance companies want to close out all their cases. So we're looking in the August to December time frame. Okay. I was told uh, possibly March, April, but, you know, that's, you know, how how things go with the uh, earthly planes. Yeah, and when you're dealing with the insurance company, you're dealing with not only the earthly plane but the hell dimension. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm, being I will there. I'm being facetious there. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah, insurance no. companies don't even get me started uh, because as a lawyer, I there's I have a lot I can say about them, and most of which would not be very spiritual. Yeah, understandable, understandable. But uh, I do appreciate your time and help tonight very much, very much. And, uh, no problem. Keep up the good work. You do an amazing job given the uh, the, <clears throat> the situation that you have to deal with. And <laughs> at the end of the day, you're a good person, you're an honest <laughs> person, and you're one people can trust. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, the best one can hope for some days. <laughs> Yes, it as is. well as to keep myself more grounded. So, any more recommendations on that? Just focusing more on the lower chakras. Yeah, it's it's more you know what it is. You're in your head a lot, which mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, and you have to realize that even though your body is 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 difficult at times, you need to yeah. still give it give your body its due. And it's very and it's very understandable when you do the spiritual and the meditative work. Um, you kind of want to be there, but what what the spirits told me um, mm-hmm. is, you know, because I was asking about the other side, I was deeply meditating. I wanted to know about the other side, and they said you seem to worry about what it's like over here so much. Why don't you focus on what you're doing over there? And I was like, yeah. wait, didn't I see that in Star Wars where Yoda told <laughs> you know Luke Skywalker, you know, you're you're always worrying about everything else worry about where you are now and then it made sense it's like yeah sometimes we have to do that although yeah. i'm still curious what do they do over there oh, a lot of good things a lot of good things absolutely well thank you uh mark and michael for your time this evening and uh many blessings and uh, uh happy happiest new year yet and uh the you know keep going 
Thank you, William. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining me tonight. It's been a, a quick two hours. It's been fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, you got a great show, Michael. And keep up the work. Um, your religious and spiritual work is, is fantastic. And you're a true light worker. And, and um, you know, what can I say other than it's been an honor to be on your show? Well, thank you very much. And hopefully I can get you back on again real soon. Well, I, I think we can work that out. So you take care, and to all your listeners, have a great night, and may God bless you. God bless you, too. Bye. And they can find you at, uh, what's your website again, real quick? It is thepsychiclawyer.com. So uh, feel free to to, um, visit my website, sign up for my free newsletter, and friend me on Facebook or like me on Facebook, whatever the appropriate term is. And uh, I look forward to um, to hearing from all of you and seeing what you feel about the death penalty on my Facebook page. Cool. Well, I'll talk to you again real soon, Mark. Have a great night. All right. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Good night. Bye. Oh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in and uh, for enjoying this long, wonderful show. And uh, we'll get Mark back on here again. I'm sure of that. And don't forget, mark me as a friend, add me as a favorite. Some wonderful guests coming up. Tori Olive's coming back on again. End of March the 27th. She's going to do an hour and a half to two hours show. Quick calls are going to be coming in, so we're going to try to get on as many people as we can. So tune in for that show. It's going to be wonderful again. And uh, sign up for my newsletter also. Visit my website, BeTheLightChapel.com. You can also visit my uh, metaphysical shop, BeTheLightMetaphysicalShop.com, to get fresh organic teas, herbs, metaphysical supplies. Uh, Website's changing constantly. Every week I'm adding more supplies on there. So check them both out. Until tomorrow night, everyone, know that you are loved because God loves you and so do I.